We see the back of his head, and you're like, oh, God, it's that son of a bitch. <laughs> Not that guy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, boo. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old or 28-year-old, depending on when this, when this ends up coming out. <laughs> Actor and artist, I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, has to be, if you had to do a project on a historical figure, who would you do it on? Um, or whoever, I don't know, your hero is or something, whatever yeah. the, the project actually is on. <laughs> for both, I'm good, because uh, I would, obviously, if you know me as a person, know, you know that my answer is going to be Amelia Earhart. I wouldn't even need to do any research, I just know everything about her already, I really do. <laughs> It's a great answer. I think it's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I love her. Yeah. Uh, and my name is Samantha Coley. I am a 30-year-old news editor at Collider. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. And I think mine also makes a lot of sense for who I am as a person because I am gay and I love sci-fi. So I would pick Sally Ride. Perfect. Yeah. Love it. Well, that's all the hosts we have. <laughs> For now. Uh, um, yes. So uh, Brittany yes, can't be well. with us today um, because she is doing a very brave thing and like stepping off of her antidepressants. Um, but that also comes with side effects. So she is having a really hard brain day. Uh, so she will be here with us for the second half of this podcast. And um, Robin and I will have a great time for the first half. Heck yeah. And uh, that, that's actually a perfect segue into what we're going to be doing for these podcasts is we're actually going to be recording um, all of the episodes of this podcast for this season of Stranger Things in two parts. So you guys are going to receive it in one part, but we're going to be recording it in two parts just because this is the first time where all three of us literally have full-time jobs. And these episodes are so freaking long that we'd be sitting here for hours talking about every <laughs> single one. So you guys don't have to worry about anything, but um, th they are going to be recorded in two parts. So we'll be here for the first half and uh all of us will be here for the second half but i do believe sam asked Brittany what who she would have done the the project on yes i did ask Brittany who her pick would be for the fun fact and uh she picked nichelle nichols who is mm -hmm. uh the original uhura in star trek and um she did a lot of amazing things for women in uh science and women in nasa and uh she's amazing Perfect. I love that. Yeah. So today we have words to say about episode 401 of Stranger Things, The Hellfire Club. Uh, this podcast may contain spoilers for all four seasons of Stranger Things. And it likely will. <laughs> <laughs> so excited to be here. Me too. Listen, you guys. So I know that we said we were going to cover season four in 2023. And that is true. However, our goal right now, and maybe we'll surpass our goal. Who knows? But our goal right now is to get through the first half of uh, the season this year. Riverdale's about to start up again. And like I said, we all have full-time jobs for the first time. And I li we literally cannot be doing all of this stuff at the same time. Like I used to be able to juggle it all and I simply cannot anymore. <laughs> and so I cannot promise you when the next episode's gonna come out, but I can promise you that it's gonna be a fun time when it does and we appreciate your patience. Thanks so much. So um, the title of this episode, uh, first of all, The Hellfire Club, it is the name <laughs> of the club. And I grabbed a couple of things off of uh, the Stranger Things wiki, off of IMDb, off of Google, and these are the things that I compiled for you today. So the Hellfire Club is a fictional society appearing in American comic books pub published by Marvel Comics. The Hellfire Club 
often comes into confrontation with the mutant superhero team, the X-Men. Although the club appears to merely be an international social club for wealthy elites, its clandestine inner circle seeks to influence world events in accordance with their own agenda. So that's probably what it's named after. Mm -hmm. In the premiere episode during... In the premiere episode, like, straight up 101, during Will and Dustin's bike ride home, Will says he'll take his X-Men 134, in which the X-Men retaliate against the Hellfire Club with the Phoenix. So that's pretty cool that that literal comic the Hellfire Club was in. That's awesome. Yeah. I also got the original Hellfire Club was a social club established in London in the early 1800s, so it was also real. Um, several other clubs of the same name have existed in England and Ireland over the years. And so that's all the stuff about the Hell- Hellfire Club. And this is also the very first season premiere not to have a character's name in the title. So. Ooh. Oh, 101 had Will's name. Uh, 102 or 201 had Mad Max, and then mm-hmm. 301 was Susie Do Copy. Oh, so cool. Hmm. Um, a couple other points that I grabbed that aren't title <laughs> title based. <laughs> uh, this is the first episode of the series not to feature Hopper. Oh yeah, his name appears on the letter, but he. This is the very first episode of the entire show. Not even the first premiere. It's the first episode straight up that Hopper's not in. Crazy. Honestly, um, honestly, a crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this is also the first premiere episode not to have the show's theme play during the credits. It also said, as the first episode of season four contained a mass murder of children in the Hawkins lab, and the entire season dropped days after the mass murder in Uvalde, Texas, Netflix included a warning at the beginning of this episode informing the viewer that this was produced well before the horrific real life tragedy. Yeah. Um, Straight up sucks that, first of all, straight up sucks that that even happened in the first place, but Mm -hmm. also that such an anticipated season of TV where so many people were going to be watching it happened right after that. And so you'd know that like a lot of people were probably like really affected by that. And that's yeah. sad and sucks. It's like, it's a brutal scene to watch anyway. And it's even more yeah. brutal to watch like in the context of real life. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in this first part that we're going to be recording today, um, we're going to be doing the like 10 minute cold open with Brenner. And then we're mm-hmm. going to be doing everything that happens in California. And then the second half where Brittany will join us, we're going to talk about all the stuff that happens in Hawkins. And so Sam, did you cover these ones? Absolutely. Fabulous. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the opening sequence first, there's a kid delivering papers in what we assume is Hawkins mm-hmm. and uh, what appears to be the late seventies. We enter the house of an elderly man pouring himself a cup of tea, setting a timer while he does the crossword puzzle. We see him doing little daily tasks, shaving, caring for a bonsai tree, getting dressed, etc. We see the back of his head and you're like, oh God, it's that son of a bitch. <laughs> Not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, boo. I love uh, he's just like, I like doing the crossword before going to traumatize some children. Yeah, just, you know, fun. It's like uh-huh. kind of proof that he's a psychopath because he's like, Oh, my life is so normal. I do all these normal person things. And then I go torture children. Literally, and speaking of, like, I completely agree. And listen, no judgment to the people who do this, but I think it's absolutely psychotic to time yourself doing a crossword. Oh, yeah. To, like, give yourself a time limit. I would be so stressed. No, thank you. That sounds horrible. He's like, I'm I'm testing my mental capacity. And I'm like, you're testing my patience. Yeah, right. So true. Um, It also said on IMDb that the opening scene is likely a nod to the popular video game Paperboy, which was released in 1985. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, So we get the date and it's September 8th, 1980. 
79. So a few years before season one. Yeah. Four years to be exact. Four years. Okay. And we, we pull in on Hawkins lab and inside we find the rainbow room filled with gifted children of a variety of ages. Brenner walks in and he asks one of the kids if he's ready to do some lessons. And the kid answers with a magic eight ball and we see the number 10 on his wrist. On their way to the private room, we pass a door with an 11 on it, but we do not see her yet. Yes. I uh, I did want to say that I am was really impressed with the coloring in this scene because because, like, oh, yeah. literally the only color in the room is the rainbow and then, like, Brenner's face. Like, he looks so mm-hmm. much more lively than any of these children. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, do these kids even go outside? Like, how does Ten know what the sun looks like? Right. You know, does he ever see it? Like, do they get, like, courtyard time? Like, any out time? Yeah, like like a prison? Like, even if people yeah. get to go outside sometimes. I imagine no. Yeah. So I'm just like, I guess he only knows what the sun looks like because it's, like, a picture of what the sun is supposed to look like. Like, I feel like they're educated mm-hmm. to an extent, yeah. but it's also like, it's messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Brenner is testing his ability to see things through other people's eyes, basically. And at first it's like really easy stuff. It's him drawing stuff on a piece of paper and Ten like guessing what's on the paper. I loved this part because he's just like, <laughs> is it a dog? Like he like completely yeah. guesses wrong and he's like, no, it's supposed to be this. And he's like, okay, listen, your drawing is bad. That doesn't mean I got the answer wrong, just to be clear. Exactly. Like you're, it's not. It just means that you did a bad job. It's not my fault. You're bad at art. <laughs> right. And it's so weird watching Brenner be so nice. Like he's so He's so uh, tender mm-hmm. and like nice to this kid and having just like seen what happens in a couple of years, I guess I'm just like, Ugh. it's just like, it's sort of like weird feeling to see him be so genuine and like sincere. Well, it's also like, it's also sinister still, I think, mm-hmm. because what he's doing is really sick. And like, Mm -hmm. it almost makes it like the level that it gets to and the level that it is now, the, the way that he's kind here almost makes it like worse because he's like Mm. pretending that he's like this nice, caring father figure. And it's like, you're depriving these children of a real life so you can use them to spy on the Russians. Right. Oh, for sure. Uh, But Uh. yeah, he's so happy because he's like filled with hope and like feels like his- Of course. He's fulfilling his purpose and like doing what he wants to be doing. Like, um, yeah, stuff is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like, ah, my research, I will be remembered forever or like whatever. Mm -hmm. And all these kids are like, at my expense. (laughs) They're like, but whatever. Thanks, dad. Yeah. (laughs) Love you, papa. (laughs) Um, so he, uh, you're the only papa I've ever known. So. (laughs) Ugh. I, I do wonder if they all showed up here like fairly young. Or mm-hmm. if if they arrived at like various ages, because like Eleven's there from birth, but you don't we don't know about right. any of the others, right? No, that's true. And also, like it's just interesting to me also that these kids have to like stay here too, whereas mm-hmm. Brenner has like a house that he goes to and he like commutes in. Yeah, and I'm, like he must have like people working here twenty four seven. Like they call him Papa, but like he's not doing any of the raising. I guarantee he's not making them Mm-mm. any food. Like what what does he actually do for them to call him that other than like we're doing it because everyone else is doing it yeah i mean i assume it's because he's like in charge and like yeah he's probably there all day but Mm -hmm. i i imagine there's like nurses on shift and stuff and like security Mm -hmm. guards obviously yeah but yeah so he ups the challenge by asking him to find another doctor and essentially like spy on that the lessons that that doctor is having with another kid and basically it's implying 
the very early uh, workings of what we saw with Eleven in season one, mm-hmm. which is they're being trained to be able to spy on the Russians. Yes. Um, but however, something goes wrong in the other room and Ten realizes that the people he was supposed to be spying on are dead now. And then Brenner hears screaming in the hallways before the door blasts off his hinges and knocks him out. Yeah, I like when I was watching it again, because when I was doing my notes, it was like the second time I had actually like fully watched it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, oh, why does he even leave this room? Because like I would just stay like lockdown, you know, like stay in mm-hmm. this room if something bad's happening, just stay. And then the door like, <laughs> right, like burst <laughs> off. And I was like, oh, that's that's why. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's fair. Um, that's why he didn't stay in here. I was like, lock the doors. Stay in here. He can't. No. So when he, he comes to, he realizes that 10 is dead. Mm-hmm. Who's like and slightly older than 11, I guess. Because they are like in order of age. I think. Wait a second. No, no. Because number one is, or number two is older than 11. Right. Oh, so 10 would be slightly, yeah, 10's slightly older than 11 then. Because two, because it would go like one is the oldest, two. Oh, yeah, just slightly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got it, got it. I see what you mean. But I'm just like, okay, so when did she get her number then? Because if she, if they, if they got her at baby age. So I'm wondering. I'm like, is she not one? (laughs) Clearly not all of the like first children were born there because obviously Henry Creel wasn't. Spoilers for the rest of this season. (laughs) (laughs) Me like talking about one, like I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah. So like, (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely was like, yeah, one? I don't know. Right. So like he wasn't born there. So I'm imagining uh, the first like several of them weren't, but Eleven's mom was part of that like cult like the mk ultra thing test group um, yeah exactly so i imagine that maybe multiple of them like like the people who were in the cult had babies mm. that were stolen maybe yeah yeah i don't know for sure though yeah i think that's as good a as good a theory as any i guess mm-hmm. like maybe they just ended up numbering them a little bit later than we thought like i wonder if after like, he started not being able to tell, not not being able to tell them apart, but, like, not being able to, like, talk well, about them to other people. Then that's when he decided to, like, give them numbers instead of names or something. I don't know. I don't think so, because we see him numbering Henry, like, when he gets there. Oh, interesting. Okay, so that's weird then. Why would she be 11? <laughs> I guess he was just like, you uh, can't tattoo a baby. <laughs> Gotta wait till she's a little bit older. Yeah. Honestly, probably. Like, there's probably yeah. a certain age at which he decides, okay, eight years old is enough. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Cute of you, Brenner. So cute. <laughs> so, uh... Great guy. He hears more screaming down the hallway, and he finds the, like, halls littered with bodies, just so many dead people, blood smeared across, like, everything. He follows the trail and the screaming to the rainbow room and finds Eleven alone, covered in blood, staring at a crack in the wall with just all the other kids dead around her. And he asks her, what have you done? Oh my gosh, she killed them all. I was like, hmm, this is a red herring, obviously. Don't worry, But also, what happened? Because we have no idea at this point. Right, for sure. When we watched it, we were just like, this is a red herring, right? (laughs) We we don't even know one exists. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so so this clearly was after Callie escaped, right? Because she was eight. Mm-hmm. And otherwise she would be dead. Yes. 
if she had been here. And also Eleven has memories of her when she was quite a bit younger. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I feel like, uh-huh. I feel like Eleven in, do we know how old she's supposed to be when she escapes like in season one? I feel like she's like a similar age to the kids. So if I had to guess, I would say like 12. Okay, I would assume that she's... I'm sure there's an answer. So by that math... I know there's an answer. I gotta look it up. I was by that math, though, which feels right to me, she would be around eight during this, which uh-huh. looks right, I think. And then yeah. I would assume she was around four when we see her playing with 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 eight um, yeah. in that flashback. I to say I'm a genius. Um, <laughs> she was exactly 12. <laughs> Amazing. And so... 1979 it says yep she's eight Mm -hmm. and then there's also a thing for 1974 here where it says she's two or three so i think that's probably when like she had that memory of callie i guess okay so three would make sense for like that kid oh i see yes Uh, 1974 uh terry infiltrated hawkins lab to rescue jane gunning down a security guard and finding her daughter but was captured and forced to undergo ect underbrenner's order causing her to grow catatonic so i think that's when we see her in the rainbow room with callie yeah because that was in like that thing okay i'd say that totally makes sense and based on my knowledge of toddlers which comes almost entirely from (laughs) my niece being a toddler yeah three-year-olds are bigger than you think they are (laughs) Mm-hmm. So I would say she looks about three there. Okay. It says that Callie is 20 in season two. Okay. Which feels, and, and 11 was 13. So that means she was seven years older than her. Mm-hmm. So she'd be 10. So when she saw her, she was about 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that makes sense that she would be able to escape at around that age or a little bit older. I would say she escaped between 10 and 14. So she okay. could have probably escaped around the same age that Eleven escaped. Yeah. So and like, so in yeah. 1979, if she was eight, if Eleven was eight, then uh, Callie would have been 15. And I guess, okay. So I was going to say that like Callie, at, like Callie seems so much older than like two and three and stuff. But I guess now that I'm doing the math and stuff, it actually does sort of even itself out. And okay, Dover Brothers, you can get a pass. <laughs> get a pass for this one yeah all right yeah and that's the that's the opening scene all right (laughs) california yeah let's do it all right so uh we opened in california with a absolutely spectacular beach boys cover of california Mm -hmm. dreaming playing i oh it's it's like filming you can't film a retro scene in california without this song Mm -hmm. to me the same way that you can't film a scene of a group of characters going to London without playing London Calling. Mm. It's just not allowed, you know? Yeah. I um I loved rewatching this because it's like I got that like feeling of like excitement that I felt when we finally got the opportunity to like actually watch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> watch the episode. So yeah. I just feel nostalgic for yeah like may or whatever (laughs) yeah i was so um i felt the same way like rewatching it um this moment and there's like a couple other like musical cues in this episode where i was just Mm -hmm. like oh i am filled with joy (laughs) yeah yep 
Um, so we open with that, and Eleven is doing a voiceover, which is her, like, writing a letter to Mike. Mm-hmm. And it's 185 days since the buyers left Hawkins, I'm assuming. And so she's writing to Mike as she works on her visual aid of Hopper, and she's talking about Joyce having a new job as an encyclopedia salesperson, and it lets her work from home. It's basically, like, catching us up on what all the buyers are up to in a really quick I and efficient it. way. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> I also loved I loved Eleven's little like shrine to Mike. Yeah, <laughs> Mike shrine. And I was like, imagine Will never lets anyone in his room because he also has a Mike. <laughs> he shrine. also has a Mike shrine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also love how um, like she says it's day one eighty five because we know that like counting down the days or counting the days that it's been is like kind of Malevin's thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. Um, it was also pointed out on the Wikipedia that um, Eleven has her bedroom door three inches open while working on her um, on her project. Oh, yes. So cute. Uh, which is important, obviously. Uh, and it also says that her diorama is built inside a Reebok shoe box. Mm-hmm. The prop department deliberately chose this since Joyce's signature shoe brand is Reeboks. Yes, I knew that one. I was like, that's <laughs> such a good detail. Yeah. Ugh. Um, It also said, the buyer's new home in California is a real house the production crew found in New Mexico, complete with original period-specific fixtures. The team added new carpet, wallpaper, and paint, but otherwise the house was a perfect 1980s time capsule. That's amazing. Um, I love seeing houses like that on TikTok. Mm -hmm. There's, like, so many retro houses just in my likes because, like, Mm -hmm. I want to go to there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I want to stay in there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember this one after, like, filming was done. This one popped up on Zillow, and the house that the buyers had in Hawkins Mm -hmm. has also Mm. been on Zillow. Imagine. we've covered that at work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. So, Elle is doing her little voiceover still, and Will is working on a painting that Elle thinks is for someone that he likes. So, Mike Mike knows that Elle did not commission this painting. (sighs) Yes. Mike knows that unless, like, because he got this letter, I assume, right? Like, or did he leave? Yeah, yeah, we see him. No, we see him reading it. Oh, right, you're right. That's, like, yes. when it shifts to the Hawkins storyline, that's right. how they connect it, which is brilliant storytelling, in my opinion. Yeah, for a second I was just like, well, maybe he never got it because he got over here for spring break beforehand or whatever. But no, you're completely right. So, like, he knows that that painting is for somebody that he likes, that mm-hmm. Will likes. Or at least yeah. that's what Eleven thinks. Yep. Michael clearly obviously forgot <laughs> because he's a moron. <laughs> I would believe it. Either that or yeah. he's like playing it cool. Right. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask about it. But I don't trust Mike to play it cool because he's never been cool a day in his life. Right, right. So. <laughs> uh, on IMDb, it, po- it was pointed out that uh, ri- that Noah started out as the smallest member of the cast. And he <laughs> is now the second tallest of the kids in this season. Really? And he is now also taller than Jonathan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is so crazy. Honestly, it's truly impressive how tall he is, and he looks so much like Winona, but it's mm. it's just funny to see how much taller than her he is. Like, when you see, right. like, season She's one so casting, small. you're like, wow, that's perfect. And now it's like, you grew like a weed. Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, this is the first time we're recording about Stranger Things since Noah has come out as being his own representation, <sighs> which is I so love wonderful that. and lovely. I am so uh, proud of as him. As far as I can tell, he's been treated quite well as well, which makes me so happy. Yeah, I I remember like seeing that and feeling proud of him as if he were my own son. And I'm like, yeah, good for him. Good for him. 
He also does it like in the most Noah way too, which is just like multiple TikToks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So continuing on in the voiceover, um, Jonathan is a stoner now and he's still hoping yeah. <laughs> to get into college, but he hasn't heard back yet. Eleven doesn't know how he's going to get to college though, because his car is busted. Yeah. However, his cool friend Argyle, who is also a stoner, all takes takes them all to school now and it's it's great. It is great. It's adorable. I love it. Um, very Pizza Planet of him. On IMDb, <laughs> it said that he uh, is very likely named after the character who drove John McClane in the limousine in Die Hard. Oh, um, wow. Late, later in my notes, it also says, like, what he, he like, what his um, character, like, look, his, like, character design is, is uh, based on, too. Oh, cool. I didn't put it there, but you guys will hear it very soon. <laughs> And uh, the last thing I said, I, I just wanted to say that I worry a lot about Argyle driving high. It's not safe. And I just hope that he <laughs> is being responsible. I I think that he is probably at a level that he is competent enough to. Yeah. Lots of pre- practice. Yeah. Because like there are there are levels that he seems less functional at within this show. Mm-hmm. But he seems pretty functional here. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, just don't do that, okay, kids? Yeah. Don't do that, kids. <laughs> um, so Eleven is just, like, super stressing to Mike about how very happy she is. Uh, she says California is beautiful, and she loves school, and she's doing well in all her classes, making lots of friends. And, like, while her voiceover is saying this, we're seeing the opposite of all the things she's saying. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have friends. People bully her all the time. She doesn't do well in her classes. But she's really excited to see Mike, and she's really excited for spring break. Yes. Um, we get to see as they come to Lenora Hills High School, Lenora Hills being a fake town or a fake city, just like Hawkins is. And we get to see Will's uh, diorama or visual aid, which is on Alan Turing, which is the most gay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the most, the most gay uh, option he could have possibly chosen. Um, they're just like, hey, here's some foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Me, Will, gay icons. Right. Yeah. Uh, on the <laughs> wiki, um, it Here's a little bit more about Alan Turing. Um, it says Will's project is influential uh, British scientist and mathematician Dr. Alan Turing. In 1941, he had been engaged to Joan Clark, however, broke it off after admitting to her that he was gay. In 1952, Turing had been convicted for gross indecency on account of him being in a gay relationship. And this is obviously meant to hint at Will's sexuality. I loved seeing this in the trailer. I remember seeing this in the trailer and all of us were mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh! Like thinking, that, never thinking that they were actually going to like make it textual like they did this season, which I yeah. loved. Like thinking that they were just like, it's like another wink to the to the. Mm-hmm. Fan hands of being like you guys are right we're not gonna tell you you're right but you guys are but you're right yeah yeah but so i'm so happy that they did it yeah oh sorry another thing on imdb there's lots and lots of fun facts about this because you guys know that the duffer brothers like go hard in on like references and and everything like that so on imdb it said as 11 strolls through the school corridors a goth girl appears in the background and she looks like uh, lydia dietz uh who <gasps> winona played in beetlejuice I missed that. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to go back and check for that. That's so cool. Like, she doesn't have, like, the... I I went back and looked at it, and she doesn't have, like, the little, like... The little bang pieces? Gelled bangs that she has. Mm. Um, But it's definitely, like, a goth girl. I don't know if it necessarily (laughs) was, like, this is supposed to be Lydia, but I guess I'll... You know, like, sure, why not? That would be a really cool um, detail if it was intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I really like doing... Please do all the fun facts, Robin. Um, Yeah. 
it brings me so much joy. I do want to say always. Uh, and I think I speak for the people listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want to always say that I'm getting these from like IMDb or the wiki. Like I am almost never picking these out myself. So shout out to the people who um, write those in. I really appreciate it. My favorite thing well not my favorite thing I don't know but one of the things that I really loved about um her like finishing her letter was that hope my spelling was better I know I'm like oh this (laughs) this tiny baby yeah protect yep oh so later a mail truck pulls up outside Joyce's house and she's working here we go she goes to pick up the mail (laughs) and the man tells her that college acceptance letters they come they come at the end of the week so that they make you sweat and she's like I am nervous Please. She's like, I am sweating. They are, it is working. Yeah. Um, I like that she like no, clearly knows the mailman very well. Like mm-hmm. she's clearly been like, and he knows what she's waiting for because we know yeah. Joyce is like very intense. So I'm <laughs> yeah. sure he knows that. Yeah. Uh, I like that they have this like, like friendly little relationship. Like she's settling mm-hmm. in here. Yeah. But she quickly realizes that the big box that she received is covered in Russian stamps. She ru- opens Whoa. it immediately uh, like hangs up violently too. <laughs> hangs up on her customer. Violently opens it. Like uh-huh. she, if if there had been a bomb in here, it would have gone off with her opening it. It would have gone off. Yeah, because for sure she stabs it so aggressively that like mm-hmm. it, if that doll was any bigger, it was getting stabbed. Murray Murray would be so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a uh, she opens it and it's her little Russian doll and she's like, hmm, weird. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm, I'm definitely not going to overthink into this. <laughs> <laughs> Back at school, um, Angela, the worst person in the world. Oh um, my honestly, God. honestly, if I was to rank Stranger Things characters, she would be the worst. She's down at the bottom for sure. Ugh. Uh, so she presents her project on Helen Keller because she is just that brand of pretentious. And then Elle. I feel like her choosing Helen Keller is like, like, I know that it's like, People with disabilities can do things too, but the way she's doing it is ableist in my mind. You know what I mean? Like she Exactly. It feels that way. Like the way that she's doing it isn't like isn't like, look, disabled people are really great and they can do things. Like instead it's just like, look what this poor disabled person did and they're still successful. Wow. Right. Like you know what I mean? Uh, it's like like she does it in a gross way. It's like Angela is the Marjorie Taylor Green of Lenora Hills High School. <laughs> uh <laughs> she's just anyway i hate her everything she does is like just insidiously awful yeah so l who goes by jane here is chosen to go next because like jesus christ of course she is <sighs> oh she gives up uh she gets up and gives her presentation and it's on hopper her dad um and this is the first time i believe she calls him her dad yeah and the class like makes weird faces and makes fun of her saying diorama wrong. She says diorama, and then some asshole makes a diarrhea joke, and everyone laughs. And she like tries to like laugh along too. And I'm like, ugh. I don't know how horrible a person you have to be to make fun of someone who's obviously nervous, first of all, and second yeah. of all, talking about their dead dad. No kidding. Like, like later she's like, like I think. She's like, oh, he died in a mall fire or like he saved people in a mall fire. Because at some point in the scene, she does say that he died, right? Yeah. Yeah, she does. Like, unless they don't like, or they already know that. But either way, it's just like, it's about her dad. Like, come on. Oh, it's awful. (sighs) So, uh, meanwhile, while this is happening, a girl is like (laughs) flirting with Will. Yo, this girl has. And like trying to play footsie under the desk. Courage. Honestly. Could not be me. Respect. Respect. Yeah. 
Um, Will Will is like not into it. Will, however, is like that um, that TikTok of the the lady on the bus whose like hand <laughs> yeah. is out, and then so, somebody like reaches across to touch, and Will is getting footsied, and he is like, absolutely not. No, thank you. I am not interested. Absolutely freaking not. And this girl is like, I think it's so funny. Like he okay. <laughs> He, like, looks over her and he's just like, have you seen my haircut? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Do it to somebody without this haircut, please. He's like, do you not see who my project is on? Yeah, please, come on. You're not my type. I wonder if Will (laughs) did his presentation and, like, just straight up didn't mention the gay thing the whole time. Like, it was just for him to know, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm sure that he did not mention it. For sure. As a gay person, I feel like... We do things, and this is why I'm a delusional Taylor Swift fan as well. We do things that other people recognize Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. queer-coded things. And so, like, gay Mm -hmm. people who get it, get it. And people who are straight are like, okay, cool project, you know? Yeah. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Wow, mathematics and science. Cool. Yeah. Um, So Angela, once again, interrupts to specifically to humiliate Elle by like saying she did the wrong project and it goes horribly and uh, she's she's just the worst. I hate her. (sighs) I have I have a rant about Angela, if you don't mind. I I do not. I do not mind in the slightest. Please go ahead. Okay, so I just want to say I am so mad at Mrs. Gracie. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> mad at Mrs. Gracie. Like, yeah. Later she does something finally, but like for the love of God, like this is so not your fight, Angela. Like if the teacher didn't like the project that she decided, she would say something. It is truly not up to you to say something. And honestly, like Mrs. Gracie should be doing more because this is so clearly her being mean spirited about it. And exactly, I, I've I've been working in a school and. To be fair, it is a middle school, not a high school. But mm-hmm. there are kids who need that extra help. And yeah. some of these kids get adapted testing and get adapted work to do because different kids need different types of learning. And there mm-hmm. are some kids who are a little bit behind who need adapted work to do. And for all you know, Angela, uh, Eleven could have gone to the teacher and spoken to her ahead of time to ask if she could do Hopper. Exactly. I hate Angela and I hate all the kids <laughs> who are laughing at her. She's horrible and everyone's horrible. Like, it just sucks because, like, she's trying her best. Yeah. And like, who knows? Like, she could have gone to Mrs. Gracie and said, I, like, you know, 11 for all we know has this adapted work that she gets. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the 80s. I don't know. But like, and maybe, you know, Mrs. Gracie could have been like, okay, instead of you having to do research on somebody, why don't you do somebody that you already know? Like, for all you know, Angela. Exactly. She already got permission to do that. This is not up to you to embarrass her and talk about this in front of everybody. It's like, there's literally no other intention to it other than being right and being mean. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. all just a power trip and it's disgusting. Truly. I will say that the teacher does... She is the one who um, catches Angela later. It's the same teacher. But um, she still didn't do enough in this moment to stop her getting literally harassed while presenting. Like... I honestly don't think she does enough later either. Yeah. Yeah. Speak up, Mrs. Gracie. (laughs) Come on. But like, even then, like, Angela's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, like hurt your feelings or whatever like sorry to interrupt mrs gracie it's just like oh my god and then she starts crying in class and you're like oh my god (laughs) oh like no i i will 
go into a blind rage every time Angela speaks for him from here on out because mm-hmm, I because I feel so bad for Eleven. Like my empathy is at an all time high. Ugh. However, on the flip side, the girl who plays Angela is mm-hmm. doing her damn job. Oh yeah, she's doing great. She is doing her damn job. Absolutely. I can't stand her. And that is a testament to how well she's doing. Absolutely. Also, yeah. I wrote a weird note about the costuming choice here. Her mm. earrings look like teeth. Oh. Like it's gross. I'm Googling I'm, that right now. I'm sure that it's like not what it's actually meant to look like. And it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. beachy retro vibes. But looking at it, I'm like, oh, you're right. They do kind of look like teeth. Like like the pink part looks like. I think they're supposed They're like, they're sort of like, yeah. Like it just, the pink part looks like gums. And then like the little white dots look like teeth. And I'm like, this looks horrible. Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> Um, so Will tries to make Eleven feel better, but she doesn't believe him, and she storms away, and we cut back to another scene yes. uh, in in a later storyline, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> oh, I love the part where, sorry, I love the part where um, Will's, like, trying to help, and she's like, friends don't lie, because she yeah. thinks that Will, having told her, like, Will probably told her, yes, that's a good good person to do your yeah. project on, and she thinks that Will lied to her, which is so well, sad. Well, she also probably, I mean, she also thinks that he's lying right now, that it's, that it wasn't bad. By saying that it's fine, and that it was yeah. yeah, that's fair, that's fair. So, we go back to the house, and Murray has called Joyce back after his karate lesson (laughs) this will come back later (laughs) yeah uh she asks him what she should do about the doll and he thinks that it could be a threat and tells her to undress the doll uh she sees that it has nipples but Mm -hmm. also that it's cracked uh he tells her that they're um, gonna make a plan to smash it yes um the weirdest part of this is that when she she, like mentions that it has nipples and then he gets into the ice bath which (laughs) makes him like yell and she probably thinks he's reacting like that to the nipples thing and and he's not moves on and he's not even listening at that point like the the, the phone is on the like bath tray and he didn't yeah. even hear that it has nipples right and he just like yells in a weird way and she's probably like yeah classic murray anyway it's just so visually awkward and we're just like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah elsewhere in woodshop jonathan and argyle are making birdhouses, and argyle calls jonathan out on being mopey because nancy isn't coming mm-hmm. for spring break yes um argyle decides to make a weed themed birdhouse and i'm just uh-huh. like is that allowed <laughs> not allowed in school in 19 maybe in the 80s i don't know in 1985 probably question mark well it is probably or either that or the like teacher like doesn't even know what that is it, and it's like cool a leaf yeah exactly and it is yeah. california so like maybe the wood shop teacher is also a stoner who knows yeah who knows this is where i got the uh the thing about argyle's character design mm-hmm. um he's based on slater from dazed and confused that makes sense so there you go so he He's basically telling Jonathan that he should just, like, sow some wild oats over spring break since Nancy's not coming. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jonathan is like, um, absolutely not. I love Nancy. And here are all the reasons that she's perfect (laughs) and everything is perfect between us and nothing could possibly be wrong or have reasons for avoiding each other at all for this spring break. That's so weird. I don't know why you would ask. It's it's really great because, like, Fred is grilling Nancy about this at the exact same time in the other storyline. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so funny because Jonathan's like, these are all the things I love about Nancy. And I'm like, oh, so true. And Nancy's like, these are all the things I love about Jonathan. And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I suppose. 
Yeah. All right, then. I will say this is this season is the most that I like Jonathan ever. Um, and I do mm-hmm. enjoy him quite a bit this season, however. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. <laughs> so back with Elle, her math teacher also goes out of her way to embarrass her, which I'm like, <sighs> seeing that scene, I'm like, you should be fired. For sure. I, I don't think you should have a job. She said, that was very disappointing, Jane. In front of the whole class. Yeah. Boo, no, you suck. Like, Boo. If you, if you do that, like, if you have a student who you need to speak with to, like, improve their grades, then you hand them the paper. Embarrassing them is not the strategy. You hand them the paper with a note that says, see me after class. You don't. Come see me after class. Exactly. You don't point it out to everybody else. Yeah. Or 100%. you just, when class is over, you just be like, hey, can I speak to you for a second? Like, it's really yeah. that easy, you old bat. Ugh. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> so uh, outside in like the quad style area of the high school. Oh no. <sighs> Angela and her friends knock Elle over and crush her diorama and you hum- just humiliate her in front of everyone again because like she hasn't had enough. Of course, like- is this every day, Angela? Is this every day? Like, what's the reason? It's like, it's <sighs> one thing to like trip her and have her drop it. And it's another thing to stomp on it. Yeah. Like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. That sucks. And-, and Will comes out and like sees them bullying her. And he's just like, oh man, I'm just a little guy. Like, I'm not equipped to do this. Yeah. I don't know. He's like the only one who sees it. So he's like, I wish Jonathan was here to go and yell at them. Cause I'm not the guy. I am mm-hmm. not the one. I am not the moment for this. And I think, I can't remember if he's like a little too far away at first yeah he is pretty far away as well yeah but then she ends up making it worse for herself because she tries to use her powers on angela and they still don't work and so she's just embarrassed herself again in front of everybody and it's like a classic no good very bad day um yeah so what do you think she was trying to do, Sam? Like, was she- Honestly- try, Was she gonna- Was she gonna kill her? I don't think she was gonna kill her, but I do think she was gonna, like, fling her around so that, like, maybe she- Or she was gonna pull a classic Eleven move and make Angela pee her pants. <gasps> Headcanon accepted. <laughs> Headcanon accepted. Yeah. I was going to be like, I for a second, I I don't even remember what I, never mind. I literally, like, I had an idea of what she was going to do in her head. And mm-hmm. as soon as you said that, it left my brain because your idea was way better. <laughs> I like oh, that. Oh, I remember. I thought okay, she was going to pants her. I thought she was going <laughs> to pants her. No, that would have been good too. Um, yeah. No, but you're right. For sure. I feel like from the, like, physical blocking of it, I imagine her, like, hitting Angela with such, like, of a force impact that she, like, pings into all the people behind her like a bowling ball. Yeah, or like a, or a, um, what's it called? The one where where you pull the little strings and then it moves the little thing like a pinball! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Mario Kart race. <laughs> pinball, that one. Exactly. And it makes um, the sound. <laughs> Good. Ding, 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 ding. I love it. But yeah, it's it's just brutal to watch. Like it's uh I remember they released this early, I think. Mm-hmm. And just watching it, I was like, I can't watch it. I'm too upset for her. Yeah, they literally were like, how do we make the most amount of people have secondhand embarrassment? And I was like, uh challenge complete. You did yeah. a great job. Quest complete. It was hard to watch. <laughs> uh so Miss Gracie comes back out and Elp doesn't rat Angela out. Yeah. But Miss Gracie can tell because Angela is the worst and she's been finally context clues awful all day um exactly 
So she basically suspends Angela, I think, but she takes her like to the principal's office. Uh, Will rushes to Elle's side and promises that he'll help fix the diorama. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, she's like, what? I didn't do anything, Mrs. Gracie. Tell her, Jane. And Jane's like, listen, I said that I just tripped. Yeah. Now I'm not, I'm not lying anymore. (laughs) I'm like, I'm. And she doesn't say anything. She's like, I wasn't going to tell her it was you, but I'm not going to say it wasn't you. And even if she did, Mrs. Gracie probably wouldn't believe her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been awful all day. At some point, you're yeah. going to get caught being awful. So back at the house, Joyce has her um, safety goggles and a pair of gl- gardening gloves on. And she is like pulling, rigging a pulley system with a can of paint. And these kids across the street are like, what is wrong with that lady? She's doing science, children. <laughs> and the, their mom is like, don't look, don't look. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Also, their house also looks amazing. I I want to just walk around yeah. this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's rigging it up with Murray on the phone. And he tells her that they're going to drop it so that if it's got an explosive device in it, she's plenty far away um and she's like yeah yeah and she just drops it and also drops the phone and murray for a solid five murray's seconds like, thinks that she's died no! <laughs> i love that murray cares, murray cares so much about joyce i i love his that he is so dramatic we all we need a drama queen in every storyline and uh this one's murray murray gets better and better every season more and more likable i find mm-hmm. and i just love that like murray really seemed like a one-off in the in uh season two and they sure him back and i feel like it, he just gets better and better yeah i agree he's very good comic relief yes so she drops the paint bucket and and the phone at the same time but it doesn't explode uh, inside, she finds a note that says Hop is alive and looking forward to their date at Enzo's. Oh, cute. I love it so much. Um, the face she makes is just pure happiness. Um, and, hope, and I ship it finally. so much. I love it. Oh, girl, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, I think that before we go and have our little, uh, I don't know, like week long break, but no break for you guys. I'm going to talk to you real quick about Patreon. Um, yeah. It's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Um, And we really appreciate it if you guys would check it out. Um, the $1 level gets you early access to every single podcast. This one comes out a whole week in advance, which I'm sure will be really helpful considering I don't know how often these are actually going to be coming out. <laughs> but the Patreon people will be the first people to get it. $2 is our Discord server. Uh, $5 is 10% off at three different small businesses. Uh, mine, Brittany's, and our friend Casey's. Um, and the $10 level is our uh, Patreon-only podcast, um, which is called OK Love You High. We've put out a couple of, like, bonus episodes on this feed uh, from that, including, like, the last thing that I posted on this feed. Um, so go check those out. We'd really appreciate it. Um, if you can't help us out on Patreon, check out those small businesses. They're all in the description. And then, if not that, just recommend us to a friend because that is free and I know that there is a million more Stranger Things fans out there who haven't listened to this podcast. So if you have a friend, <laughs> please send it to them. We'd really, really appreciate that. I think that usually I would do, uh, actually, but I know that it just tickles Britney pink when we do, uh, actually. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and save that for the very first thing that we're going to do, um, next time so that, uh, Britney can enjoy our, uh, actuallys. So we will see you guys in like two seconds, but for us, longer than that. <laughs> see ya! And we're back. It's been one week, and guess who's not here? <laughs> Explain. 
Hi, um, Brittany is still going through her uh, withdrawal from her antidepressants, so she will not be joining us on this episode. Um, but she does have her her answers for her segments, and um, she will join us when she is able. Perfect. Great. Well, let's go into <laughs> everyone's favorite segment just immediately as we're starting recording this. Uh, actually, hell yeah. So as I prefer to do, I make them increasingly more unhinged. So if you guys, <laughs> this is your first episode with us, I basically go on to IMDb into the goof section and like people who are like, I don't know, either alive in the 80s or like obsessed with the 80s are like, oh, about like some really, really ridiculously... <laughs> niche and detailed things for like whatever reason yeah and i think it's hilarious and so i compile them all in a segment we like to call uh actually uh actually Mm -hmm. uh actually so here we go <laughs> yay oh i've missed doing this segment it's been like i'm so excited to hear so long okay uh actually the three-point line wasn't introduced in high school basketball until 1987 oh my god are you serious <laughs> and that's what we're starting with. But like, okay, but I need to know when it existed in general then. Like, yeah, I don't did, know. It, did it exist in regular sports ball? I like, <laughs> right. Uh, actually, Play With Me by Extreme was not released until 1989. And this episode set in 1986. And when, like, that one's fair, except the song isn't diegetic. So I think it's actually fine, in my opinion. When is, when do they use that song? I cannot remember. Interesting. Stranger thing. I meant to look that up too because I knew you were going to ask. Uh-huh. And I forgot to look it up. Because I have a note about a song in here. Uh, for exactly one minute and 17 seconds in the first episode of Stranger Things Season 4, Extreme's Play With Me is heard in the background as D&D &D loving friends Dustin and Mike spectacularly fail to recruit new members to their Hellfire Club. Oh, yeah. Since it's not diegetic, I think that's totally fine. Because they yeah. did... Uh, they did that with Heroes, too, in season mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, on the math test shown, the teacher marked the answer to problem two is correct. Even though the student made an error, they wrote <laughs> the wrong sign for the B factor. Okay, that's a, a extreme nerd levels. Like, sure, okay. Like, why are you doing- Uh, actually, the Byers family is living just north of- <laughs> Uh, actually, the Byers family is living just north of Los Angeles, and the landscape should be at its greenest in March, but the terrain around their town is all brown and dry. Bro, it's a drought. <laughs> also, we live in... <laughs> we live in 2023. I, yeah. I don't think... I don't know if you know this, but global warming <laughs> exists. Yeah. You can't go back Not. to the 80s and film how it looked. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, actually, though set in 1986, the Motorhead patch on Eddie's jacket did not exist until the release of their Hammered album in April 2002. Okay, I'm gonna give them that one. 2002 is a... Yeah, okay, okay. Two is a... That's a... That's a, that's yeah. a stretch. <laughs> Alright, I love this one. Uh, actually, at the, at the pep rally before the championship basketball game, Jason gives a shout-out to his girlfriend Chrissy, and the slang shout-out was occasionally used in the underground hip-hop scene in the 1980s. It didn't become a mainstream phrase among teenagers until the 1990s okay so he should not be giving his girlfriend a shout out so headcanon i guess that um jason is really yeah. into the underground hip-hop scene Hip -hop. yeah that's what i'm saying that doesn't um everyone else is like what is yeah that doesn't align with how racist he is but yeah okay <laughs> 
I like every. I just like love thinking about how everybody else in the audience was like shout out. What is that? Right. What's a shout out? Okay. Everyone in rural Indiana. <clears throat> uh, actually, Erica Sinclair states she plays a level fifteen rogue when conf- confronting Eddie before playing Dungeons and Dragons with the Hellfire Club. They're playing advanced D anD D in nineteen eighty six, and the rogue character class wasn't formally introduced until nineteen eighty nine with the second edition of the player's handbook. And she should have stated that she was playing a thief. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. I love yeah. that one because I'm weird about D anD D too. <laughs> uh, actually, Erica rolls 2d10 when rolling to hit in Eddie's D&D game when fighting Vecna and his cultists. She would roll 1d20, uh, particularly in 1986 D&D, just as Mike does in the next shot. I think that when I watched it, I assumed that she was rolling damage because it wouldn't make sense for her to roll 2d10 to hit. Mm-hmm. And right. technically, she's also rolling a d100 because one of them ha- is the percentile die and one of them is a regular d10. But yeah, I have no idea why a rogue would be rolling a, one- a d100. So, whatever. Uh, actually, when, uh, actually, when Tammy sings Star Spangled Banner, the camera closes in on the microphone, and the cable connecting the microphone to the PA as an XLR (laughs) connector model Nutric XX series that was introduced only in 2004. Oh my god, how do you even spot that? And this is the last one. The last one. Uh, actually, the postal vehicle seen around the 23-minute mark is a DJ5A dispatcher Jeep manufactured by AM General. A spare tire is seen mounted to the rear door. These vehicles did not carry spare tires. If one of the tar- tires were to have a flat, <laughs> a service truck would be dispatched to replace the tire. The addition of the spare tire carrier was a common modification done by the new owners after these Jeeps were retired and sold to the civilian market as government surplus. Well, maybe he bought it back. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Take that! The the level that people go to for these is uh, incredible. I I yes. envy the amount of time you have on your hands to spot things like this. I I'm so jealous of you people. <laughs> and that uh, that concludes uh actually for this episode. Beautiful. There's always way more than I expect. <laughs> And now we are going to be doing the bulk of the episode, which is the Hawkins storyline, and I covered that. Hell yeah. All right. So, first of all, Mike, reading Eleven's letter, is late for school, not even dressed, in his straight-up undies. Nancy says she's going to leave without him. That man is, like, seven feet tall. <laughs> so tall. He has D&D club after school. Ted calls it dropout club. Hey, shut up, Ted. Hey, Ted, have you ever contributed anything worthwhile to this um, family or, uh, television show? <laughs> Ever? I don't think so. Yeah, I did want to give a shout out because I actually watch my D&D actual play shows on, uh, on a streaming site called Dropout, so <laughs> that kind of worked for me, but. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, so he's not supposed to be home any later than nine. He says he's going to try and they're like, no, no, you have an early flight. So you have to be home at nine or you can't go. And he's like, Ugh, I hate my family. And he leaves. <laughs> That's what happens. Dustin's trying to figure out a password, um, with Susie for the school. The password ends up being Tigers 86. It's the Hawkins high school student records. Yeah. Claudia knocks and Dustin genius goes, <laughs> don't come in. I'm naked. <laughs> It's so funny because it's so clear that he's used this before, but she uh-huh. still takes it just as seriously. Did Am I incorrect or did he have a slide door in this scene? Like his door slides in. Oh. I can't, I can't remember. I, just, I didn't really notice. It was something that I thought that I noticed this rewatch in particular, but. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've noticed it before. But it, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, anyway. Interesting. So uh, Susie ends up changing his Latin grade from D minus to an A. Before she does it, she looks at Jesus to apologize. <laughs> 
<laughs> for doing that. Um, on IMDb, it said, Dustin and Susie hacking the school's computer to change Dustin's grades is a reference to War Games, which is a movie that came out in 1983. Oh. There we go. Um, now we have Steve and Robin in the car. Steve is talking about how he's been dating Heidi, but it's obviously not long term. Robin's doing her eyeliner in the car, which I'm like extremely impressed by. Yeah. I can't even do my eyeliner, period. I mean, so, luckily for her, it, that's great. Smudgy was the look back then. <laughs> Yes, right. So they're like worried about the pep rally. No, it's about Vicky. And Steve says that he notices that she pretends to be somebody else when he, she's around her. But she talk and she talks about how the stakes are higher for her because if he asks out a girl, then it's like whatever. But if she asks out a girl, everyone's like, you're gay, <laughs> literally. Exactly. And she's right. And I hate you now. Yeah. I love this scene. And uh, the next note I wrote was that she returned fast times paused at a booby point, I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yes. Um and then so he's like she likes boobies that just it just makes sense. I I love this this scene so much when we were watching it I was just filled with so much joy mm-hmm. both a gay person and a person who loves movies and just it's nice to see a friendship a lesbian himbo friendship where he he talks Period. to her and they talk about girls the way like the way that you would and yeah uh, i don't know it was just really fun and um i have seen the scene from fast times and that they are he's, discussing yeah he's correct you don't stop there unless you're a boobies person yeah and uh I have a question, Sam. Yes. Based on the rest of the show or the rest of the season, including like that conversation with Robin and Vicky where they're like making sandwiches or whatever at the end. Uh Uh-huh. Does Vicky like boobies? Yes. Okay. So she's just also in the closet. I think that Vicky is bisexual and Robin. Bi, yeah. And Robin is a lesbian. Yeah. And I think that she is bi and yes, also like it's rural Indiana. I don't know that anyone- in Hawkins is out in 1985. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really hope that in season five, we see Robin and Vicky and Will. And Will, yeah. And I want to see a conversation between Robin and Will. Like Me too, so bad. Desperately, yeah. So They're, they're both going to look at each other like Spider-Man meme. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> so they get to school and we see Max getting off the bus. Um, The counselor tries to talk to her and says that she missed her appointment yesterday and asks her to come after lunch today. We see the cheerleaders oh. and the band playing. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to note here, uh, I thought that it was a really cool transition from the car to like the hubbub of mm, school. To Max, yeah. That they, they, they keep the same song from, Steve's radio in the car into Max's headphones. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Like they they turn it up as we get out of the car. So many good music transitions this episode. And then it like is diegetic into her headphones once uh, yeah. the teacher comes up to talk to her and I was like mm-hmm. that is I just, good stuff I like that yeah mm-hmm. so we go into the pep rally we see Chrissy for the first time um we see Robin playing the trumpet and Vicky playing the clarinet this is where I had planned to ask Brittany what her thoughts are due to <laughs> Brittany also being a bisexual who used to play <laughs> the clarinet in band I I I obviously don't have Brittany's brain but I do feel mm-hmm. like she would say that this is an accurate portrayal of gay band nerds. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, on IMDb, it was pointed out that Hopper read Anne of Green Gables to Sarah in a flashback and to Elle. And we have Amy Beth McNulty um, playing uh, Vicky, who was playing Anne in Anne with an E, which is the most recent adaptation of Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. Um, and also a Netflix original series after 
the first season. That's correct. I never watched it, but me neither. But um, but the like main like love interest guy was in a movie that I really like, and mm-hmm. so I I don't mind seeing gift sets. I do appreciate <laughs> it. So Max sits with must with Mustin and oh no, Mustin. <laughs> Wait, I was gonna. I was. I accidentally almost switched their things, but um, uh-huh. you know, the other one that I was gonna say is like a slur, so I'm glad that I stopped myself there. Oh no. Um. Anyway, Max. Max sits with Mike and Dustin, which I think is interesting that she continues to hang out with Mike and Dustin, but like clearly, like deeply avoids Lucas. Yeah. I um, like if Lucas was sitting there, I wonder if she would have sat there or not. I feel like probably, but just like at the other end. Does that make sense? Because, like, I don't think she has... Oh, sure. ...other friends, Mm -hmm. you know? No, I don't think so either, no. So, it's like, I sit here or I sit by myself, and I don't Mm want to sit by myself, you know? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So, Dustin is saying, hey, just saying, but Susie is a genius, and Mike is like, okay, Eleven has literally saved the world, and Dustin's like, but she can't change her C in Spanish. (laughs) So, just saying. And Mike's like, well, she hasn't even tried, though. She hasn't even tried to do that, so you don't know. She probably could if I asked. Yeah, like... Just with her... And maybe that's her power now. With her mind. Yeah. Now that her powers are gone, maybe she has a new power and it's changing my C in Spanish, so... <laughs> Who knows? So, the tigers come out, we see Jason, and then that's sort of the reveal that, like, Lucas is one of the, like, popular basketball boys? I'm so proud of him. That's my son. Crazy. <laughs> so, Jason's basically doing the pep rally all himself. Um, Lucas tries to wave at Max, but she, like, ignores him, which makes me so sad. And he's like, hey, shout out to the cheerleaders and especially my girlfriend, Chrissy. But, you know, no one knows what a shout out is. <laughs> so everyone's just confused. And he says, I love you in front of everyone. <laughs> Sir, you are 17. If I was sitting in that audience, I would be so annoyed by this. And I'm just like <laughs> so confused as to how Chrissy is not literally so mortified. I would be mortified. But she's like, ah! and I'm like, oh, gross. Well they're, well, they're the it couple. Everybody knows that they yeah. love each other already. I know. I just would I- be so embarrassed i'd be like that that's like that's more pda than making out (laughs) that's so So fair i remember when we were watching this scene the first time uh Mm -hmm. the second that he gave that shout out to chrissy we were like okay she's either pregnant or dead Mm -hmm. and um well yeah we know which one happened (laughs) and we continued thinking she was pregnant for like a while though until like the uh, until the scene in Eddie's the end trailer. Yeah. 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 So he's like, hey guys, we've had a real tough year. There's been so much loss. How much loss can one town take? And so we were losing last night. And I was like, think of Jack. Think of Melissa. Think of Heather. Think of Billy. And so of course, Lucas looks to Max. Mm-hmm. He's like, think of Hopper. Think of everyone who died in that fire. And these people died just for us to lose this game? <laughs> So we should win it for them. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they can rest easy now. Now like, that you've now that you've won the game, they're like, phew, I can finally move on to the afterlife. Like it it it's it is an effective speech in the room. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. to us, it's like Hopper didn't die for you to play basketball, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. I guess he did, but like <laughs> that specifically was not high on the list. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like our like, women in the, in history fought for us to be able to vote, you know? Yeah. And he's like, these people died for us to be able to play this basketball game. Uh-huh. So true. <laughs> That's what they fought for. That's why they died. That's why they were fighting the Demogorgons and yeah. the Russians. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, let's win it for 
them. Let's get the championship uh, tonight. And Dustin and Mike are like, wait, tonight? And Max like is like, yeah, have you ever heard of a tournament? Do you understand before? how sports work? And she like explains the concept. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike, of course, is pissed as usual. Just like a shot of Mike being mad. Mike is always angry. And it's like, you have the least right to be angry of anybody. Uh, please stop. <laughs> Mike has just been mad every season except season one. And even then he was like a little bit mad, but it like made sense. Right. Mike was just pissy all like every season since season one. Yeah. And it's like, why? Your life is arguably out of all these people, the least hard. Mm -hmm. Literally. (laughs) So Lucas asks Mike and Dustin to ask Eddie to move the D&D finale. Um, And they're like, no, you should ask the coach to move the game. And like, I know which one I personally think is more important, but uh, I think more people would be inconvenienced (laughs) if we moved the game, you know? Exactly. Like, I I understand wanting, like, I want to go to both, personally. So I would want one to move. And it makes the most sense for D&D to move, because that means just, like, five people. Yeah. And basketball, you cannot move that without, like, com- inconveniencing... Fully uprooting, like, the entire community, yeah. Two entire schools, two entire communities. Like, no, stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, uh, we can't, it's the championships. And he's like, yeah, this is the finale of the campaign. And, like, I get it, but I, I, I think we both know that Lucas is a little bit more realistic here. Yeah, and I'm also... I'm frustrated because like I I love both. I love the scene where it happens simultaneously and I love the way that it plays out. But I'm also sad yeah. for Lucas because like mm-hmm. these ding-dongs did not even want to play with Will last season. Like they right. ignored him all summer about D&D. Ugh. And now when Lucas is doing something else that they probably supported at the beginning because they mm-hmm. were also doing other things, they won't like stand by him and go see his, his very important basketball game. Like, Yeah. It just makes me sad. Like, I'm mad for Lucas, but I'm also so mad for Will. Yeah. Literally, you guys go back to doing this, like, constantly as soon as he's gone. Right. That's sad and sucks. And you know why they're doing it is because before it was like, that's a kid thing to do. And now it's like the cool kids are doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. they think Eddie is like the coolest ever, which like, (laughs) he is. He is. And now he's doing it. And then it's like, it's a cool thing to do again. I'm just like so mad for Will that he doesn't get to be a part of it because I know that he would just love it. Exactly. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that sentence, but, (laughs) but yeah, exactly. Like Will would have been the perfect, like, sub in. I mean, Will would have been part of it to begin with, so. He would have been there. Yeah. 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 But, um, I love the way it plays out anyway. Yeah. So they're like, oh, come on, Lucas, you've been on the bench the whole time anyway. Like, they don't even need you, which is, like, kind of a shitty thing to say. Yeah, it's definitely a shitty thing to say. I mean, like, yeah, I, it's, it's, like, they both have, like, both events have merit and, like, have weight to mm-hmm. them, but mm-hmm. Dustin and Mike are out of line. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, okay, but if I'm with them, I'll be popular, and then you guys will be popular. And they're like, we don't want to be popular. And he's like, you want to be stuck with the nerds and freaks? And I'm like, it's so funny, Dustin's like, we, we are, are the nerds, nerds and freaks. <laughs> Which, like, own it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I do, I personally love being a nerd and a freak. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I totally also understand Lucas's point of view here because he is also mm-hmm. black in a small town in Indiana. Mm. And, like, 
So he mm-hmm. has an extra layer of like stigma from the rest of the community that other people like that Mike and Dustin don't have. Mm-hmm. So it totally makes sense why he would want to have like more social status for himself so that he's not constantly getting like harassed all the time for like multiple from multiple aspects of his just existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think that he's not necessarily being like, we'll be popular. Like, let's change who we are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that like Lucas's goal and hope is that like instead of like being the nerds and freaks, they're going to like make a more <laughs> this is like very kumbaya, but like make make a more inclusive place where we're not calling people nerds and freaks, we're all just friends. Exactly. I feel like Lucas is like you're saying is he's trying to make being a nerd cool because if he's cool and also a nerd, then it's not so lame. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then his friends won't get bullied. Yeah. yeah and he can stop the other popular people from bullying his friends too. Yeah. Because like, I remember in high school, I I don't know if it was just my high school or, and I just got like really lucky, but like being like in the nerdy friend group was the cooler group than being in the like jock friend group, mm-hmm. I thought when mm. I was in high school. But there was no like animosity between those two groups. Like, I feel like it's always played up for television. Um, For sure. But like when I was in high school, I was like, we were all just friends and a lot of the jocks were nerds. Yeah, that's good to hear coming from like a high school in the South too, because I feel like I had a similar, um, a similar experience, but like I also grew up in Canada. You know, that's fair. Where there was like, like, I, I I can talk to any of these popular people. I can talk to them and be friendly with them and they'll be nice to me too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But Lucas says he's tired of being bullied and being laughed at. And, you know, now we're in high school. We wanted it to be different. Yeah. Um, so, so they've been through at least like through September to March. So like quite a few months of high school they've mm-hmm. been in so far already. And here's where I realized, does anybody know where Troy is? Uh-huh. Troy. You guys might remember Troy as the kid who like bullied them in season one and then Eleven made them made the made him pee his his little pants. I hope he dropped out because he pees in pants. <laughs> because he pees in pants, yeah. Yeah. Um not even just his pants, just other people's pants even. <laughs> Yeah, I I think he probably moved too. I think he was he and his mom like left because his mom was like horrified and stuff, right? Honestly, if I had if that had happened to me, I would also mm-hmm. have begged my mom to put me in a different school. Yeah. Uh, like I'm I not... wonder I wonder if they bring back the kid who played Troy in season five and just have him make a little cameo. Like I or something. I don't know. I'd love to see it. <laughs> I am not continuing the rest of my easily bullyable existence with these same mm-hmm. teenagers who all saw that. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Not. Right, right. So Lucas basically says, just like, please talk to him and maybe you can come to my game. Like, that would be really appreciate that because you guys are like, you know, my best friends. And it turns out that like none of his best friends come. Like, at least Steve is there. Yeah. I'm like, so that's sad. Yeah. Even though I think that Lucas knows that Eddie's not going to be susceptible or amenable to that because that is not Eddie as a person. (laughs) I know that Will is conflict averse, but I feel like he would have gone to the game. Like, does, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. He would have made it work. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, you're right. I think Lucas would have stood up a little bit more and he would have been like, okay, well, I'm going to the game, so find two subs. Exactly. And then maybe that would have, like, made them want to more, I don't know, but yeah. yeah. That's why I, I always laugh so much at, like, the those edits where, and I think I've mentioned this on this podcast already, but, like, those edits where Dustin at the end is, like, talking to Eddie's uncle and he's like, I never even saw him mad. And he's just, like, in this scene that we're, like, gonna go to. And he's just hollering all the time. He's just yelling at them constantly. <laughs> 
so funny. That's why I'm saying that, like, Lucas knows that Eddie's not going to be into that idea. Yeah. But he's like, please go talk to him. I'm, yeah. like, wondering who Lucas sits with at lunch. Because it's clear that, like, the D&D people and the basketball people have two different places that they sit. I just wonder where Lucas usually sits. Is he sitting with them during lunch? Or is that when he's talking to Max? Or, like, where is he during that scene? I don't, I don't, he must have a different lunch. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. Because I don't think he's in that scene, like, at all. In your high school, did they have, did you have different lunches from people? Uh, yeah, we had, like, like, everybody couldn't fit into the cafeteria at the same time. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it was, like, a rolling lunch period Mm -hmm. from, like, I don't know, like, noon to two. And so whichever class you were in at that time, you went to lunch with Mm -hmm. at a certain time of the, like, half hour. So there was, like, A through D lunch, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's when we go back to California for a bit, and then we have that transition uh, with running up that hill from 11 to Max listening to it in her headphones. It's so good. Um, Which we continue to love, uh, the transitions going into Max's headphones. And it's sort of in the same way that I mentioned that, like, Brenner seems to be, like, so much brighter than everybody else in that, like, cold open and stuff. Mm -hmm. It really feels like everyone in that hallway is so much, is so colorful, except for Max. Like, Max Mm. is so gray. Like, not even by her outfit, but just, like, who she, like, her Her, expression. Her her energy is, like, dulled. Mm -hmm. Sadie does such a good job at darkening herself. So she also makes uh, eye contact with Lucas as she's walking, and then she sees Chrissy leaving the counselor. Then she goes in herself, and the counselor asks her to take off her headphones, and says that she has C's in all of her class, which is kind of weird. How's your mom? She's fine, but she hates our new place. Um, Is she still drinking? A little, but she works two jobs, so, like, you know, she has to cope in some way. And they talk about how um, her stepdad is gone, but that's good because he was horrible. He sucked. He was terrible, and uh, I wonder, like, what... I don't want to say I feel bad for him because I don't because he's horrible and, ab- and an abuser. But mm-hmm. like the fact that he like loses his marriage, but and also lost his son. I'm just like, I, I just hope that he's not spiraling even more and hurting more people. I, yeah, I don't want him to like hurt anyone else, but I don't feel bad mm-hmm. for him. Um, I think yeah. he's horrible. <laughs> and I think honestly, Billy is better off gone um, because mm-hmm. that man sucks. Yeah. So they talk about how uh, she's been having trouble sleeping and uh, with headaches and nightmares and stuff. And Max says, nope, I'm good. You know, we see a flashback to her, her like, nightmares. Her actively. I assume, of Billy dying. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the counselor, who I'm sure has a name, but for some reason I didn't write it down, knows that she's lying. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, she says, like, everything that happened to you was, like, a lot and it's okay to not be okay. So just please be truthful with me. And Max is Mm -hmm. like, I am being truthful. And I think you know we know and max knows and the counselor knows that yeah mm, i don't think so like it's literally her job to know when you're lying yeah so mm-hmm. yeah stranger things wiki counselor mrs kelly there you go Ms. kelly is a guidance counselor okay cool Ms. kelly anyway so lucas comes after max afterwards and she's like are you stalking me and i'm like oh it's a callback. That's his thing. <laughs> He's the stalker. And it's really cool because they do it. Like, it's it's really subtle. Like, if you hadn't remembered that she used to call him stalker all the yeah. time, then it would just, like, be a thing that she said. And so mm-hmm. I just think it was, like, really cool sort of subtext in that way. Yeah. it's Every Lumax scene um, breaks my heart and then puts it back together. And I love them yeah. so much. So he gives her a ticket for the game. Ugh. And she's like, do you seriously care about this? And he's like, yeah, you should find something 
starting to care about. And she takes that the wrong way. And he says, you know, that she feels like a ghost right now. And he can tell that something's wrong. And she's like, oh, you think something's wrong with me because I broke up with you? And he's like, no, she's totally taking his words out of context. And like, she's totally. Well, that's what you do when you're hurt. And I, I don't blame her for that. Yeah, like, it's just, she's finding reasons to distance herself from him. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I don't want to put this on her, but I think that there's a lot of like stories that people tell where like something bad happens, they feel like it's their fault, and then they take away good things from themselves because they don't think they deserve it. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying that's what she's doing, but it sort of feels like it. I mean, I, I would say that is probably what Max is doing because like, mm. she knows that she, that Lucas does care about her and she knows mm-hmm. that, that like he wants to help her, but she's also mm-hmm. in so much pain personally and mm-hmm. doesn't really see a way out of it right yeah. now. And she's also like, she is filled with so much like guilt and also like it's mixed with like grief, grief and like regret. And I really love the way that they mm-hmm. do Max's grief this season because like mm-hmm. when we found out that she was going to be like grieving Billy, I was like, oh, that's weird because he sucked. But like grief is complicated and it's totally fair. They do it really well. Yeah. And they they do a really good job of like showing why she feels guilty about it because she wanted him dead, but then he died right in front of her. And like, that's a really complicated thing to wrestle with. And so because she feels guilty for that, of course she is pushing away all the good things in her life because she doesn't want to mess them up, I think. Yeah. Now that you've said that, it, you know, I think think it would have been weird if she hadn't grieved Billy. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that in that case, if we agree that that is what she's doing, then I think that she is purposefully, if not subconsciously Mm -hmm. finding reasons to distance herself from him. Yeah. You know, so everything that he says goes the wrong way in her mind because she wants to get away from him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel bad for Lucas because it's like everything is not going his way. He doesn't like even Max, who is like so close to him also isn't supporting him. Yeah. And like, I don't, and Erica didn't come to his game. Who's like literally his sister also. Mm -hmm. I hope his parents were there. Like we we don't see them, but I, I hope that they were there. We don't get to see them, but I wish we had. Me too. And so she's like, oh, you think something's wrong with me because I broke up with you? And he's like, no. Like, when has Lucas ever been so self-centered to be like, obviously you'd want to be with me. I'm Lucas, right? <laughs> like, that's not even anything like him. Yeah. So she's like, well, some people just change. And she gives him back the ticket and says good luck and goes into the bathroom. I think it was like, when I was re-watching la- yesterday, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she should have just kept the ticket, whatever. But I honestly think it was like a kindness for her to give it back. So he wasn't like, mm-hmm. expect her to be there looking for her in the crowd to see if she did show up or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah i i totally understand like because the way that max is probably feeling is like she can't stop herself from saying the mean thing because mm-hmm. she's in a mean headspace because mm-hmm. she's so upset all the time mm-hmm. and so like even when you know that that person doesn't mean it that way, like you logically think about it and you know that that's not what he meant. You still are like, I have to say the ugly thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and it's, I, Lucas is trying so hard and he does such a good job and I love him so much. I think he does a really just, he's, 
honestly one of the standouts of this season and he just he does such a good lucas has always been such a king absolutely and he just does such a great job of like through the whole season just like doing his best and like being such a good friend to max in particular but to all of his friends i think that one of lucas's strengths throughout the whole series is how consistent he is Mm -hmm. i don't think that every character is as consistent as lucas is and i think that's a strength of his yeah i i know that in season one i think no season two when mike is is explaining their DD classes to max in the gym Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. he says that that i think that lucas is a ranger Uh uh-huh okay and mike is a paladin but i honestly think that mike is a paladin (laughs) i don't know yeah now that i'm sitting here thinking about it because i'm sitting here i'm like no you're right lucas is a ranger lucas should be the paladin like a hundred percent but like lucas has paladin vibes like you know what i mean yes okay so lucas is the ranger you're right about that and i'm just gonna check um mike's as well but like either way yeah he says paladin you're completely right yeah mike is not a paladin no (laughs) you're completely correct mike is like a rogue or something i don't know uh, lucas being a ranger makes sense though because of like his slingshot especially like at the time like he's very rangery he like he really 100 and like when he like grabs the compass and like starts heading out and stuff that's very rangery of him i feel like each season is sort of its own campaign so Mm -hmm. maybe Mm. if you like so cool if you assigned them different classes like per season i feel like yeah this season particularly lucas is a paladin yeah i need to decide what mike's <laughs> classes hold on i feel like mike might be a fighter just because he's always like i could see that like even in season two when he like just straight up tries to start he's very combative punching <laughs> punching hopper who's like yeah 10 million I'm bigger than him. <laughs> I want to say that Mike's a fighter, if not like a monk, because monks are also very punchy. Mm, I could see that because he he, yeah. or, he he does sort of like carry the lore of the friend group too. Mm. So like mm. that could be very kind of monk style. Yeah. So Max goes into the bathroom and she takes some painkillers for the headaches. So like we already know that she was having nightmares and now we're mm-hmm. also getting confirmation that she's still getting these headaches. And her sort of like leaning over the sink like that reminds me of Will at the end of season one. Oh, 100%. Um, and looking up into the mirror and stuff. Yeah. So that's very reminiscent of that. Chrissy is in there throwing up and we were convinced she was pregnant. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Until the end and we were like, oh wait, it's just bulimia. <laughs> also terrible. Yeah. And like, by the way, her mom is awful. For being, you know, a 16 year old or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So Max, bless her, mm-hmm. tries to go and make sure that Chrissy is okay and Chrissy asks her to go away and Max goes. And that makes sense to me because I know that M- Max, if she had asked somebody to go away, she would have wanted someone to listen to her. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that she listens to Chrissy and doesn't like press her. Absolutely. So Chrissy has a vision of her mom um, and talks about like trying on the dress again and how I loosened it for you. And I think at this point we were like, oh wait, no, it is <laughs> probably bulimia. <laughs> we're like, it's either a pregnancy or bulimia at this point because like- it's your bulimia yeah both reasons you would be throwing up and nervous and and going to the counselor and you know both are scary for a high schooler bulimia is just scary in general (laughs) like Mm -hmm. yeah and uh so then mm -hmm. oh it's just like this is the first bit of like vecna using your own like personal insecurities and stuff yeah as like Mm -hmm. his means to bully and attack you and break you down yeah Yeah, exactly and just like Mm -hmm. attack you mentally is like preying upon things that are like actually happening in your life life because like Chrissy's mom sucks and she Mm -hmm. gave her an eating disorder and 
Like, yep. he just preys upon that. And, like, don't you have hobbies down there, man? Some of these Ugh. things that her mom is, like, yelling at her, it's, like, hard for me to believe that her mom actually said that. Or if it's Chrissy's, like, subconscious sort of, like, thinking that her mom would say that. I don't know. The next thing she says is that she calls her a fat pig. And so I'm just like, God, I hope your mom didn't actually say that to you. I feel like there is a, like, line between... I feel like there's a line between what has actually already been said and like what is mm-hmm. like the worst fear that this person could say to you. Oh, you're right because Billy does that to Max and like Lucas yeah. does it too. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. And we get to see like Vecna's feet walking up from underneath the bathroom stall, which I think is kind of goofy. <laughs> And so she screams, go away, just like Will in season two. And I think that like at that point, if we take that as an homage to Will in season two, mm-hmm. we can sort of like already infer and like that sort of foreshadows the fact that it's not going to work and that she's sort of doomed, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Just because when it, when Will did it, it doesn't, it didn't work. Either. Yeah. But it stops. And she just sort of, like, gets out of the bathroom and leaves. Uh, I would be unwell if this was happening to me. Like, uh... Yeah, right. I'm not good. <laughs> I'm going home from school, for sure. Yeah. Like, I'm not staying here. But, I mean, I guess, like... Uh, even if I am getting drugs after school. I guess, like, if her mom is, uh... Yeah, that's true. Is this that, is a safer space for her. Is, like, a source of the, the fear. Because, like, mm-hmm. it's mental because it's, like, supernatural, obviously. But... It's also like he's turning this person into even more of a villain than they once were. So it's no longer Mm -hmm. like a safe place to be. Right. And I guess she does still have to stay because she has to go to the pep rally or like not the pep rally, the championship game as well. Yeah. So here is where we first say hi to (laughs) Eddie Munson. I had, I remember before we're watching this, I had like so many high hopes about him and everything. And he just absolutely surpassed every like good thing that I thought we were getting from him. And I just like, great guy. Yeah, he's a really good character. And uh, everybody reacted the way- Correctly. The way that they should (laughs) when a character like this shows up. I feel like, you know, we were all hoping he wasn't going to die, but like after Bob and then Alexi and then, no wait. uh, Yeah, after Bob and Alexi- in particular, mm-hmm. it's like, man, this is the Bob and Alexi of the season. Yeah. Obviously, you know. 100%. So on IMDb, it was pointed out that this is Joseph Quinn's first role as an American character, and he learned his American accent specifically for this role. Huh. He does a great job. I mean, I know that they have like- Yeah, he does do a pretty good job. I don't think I clocked it any, mm-hmm. like, in particular. Yeah, they have like professional- voice coaches and everything on sets like that. But yeah, he does a really good job. So he's reading a Newsweek article about how D&D is the devil's game um, and how it's linked violent behavior and satanic worship to uh, D&D. On IMDb, it also said that Eddie has Dio, Megadeth, and Motorhead patches, as well as Judas Judas Priest, Accept, and Merciful Fate buttons and a Wasp pin. The late hmm. 1970s through the late 1980s, uh, heavy metal was at its peak. So I love that we have this um, representation of heavy of heavy metal oh yeah and his uh and his tapes later when they're looking for music for nancy yeah <laughs> i feel like this show is so tied to music mm-hmm. this season in particular but i feel like every season has been really tied to music and that's been one of the like also films i think for sure that they've been like referencing to but i think for that sure. like a love for 80s music is like what this show was m- made for mm-hmm. so i love that they're giving heavy metal its moment with eddie yeah um so mike and dustin come in and they see him and they're worried because he seems crazy today and they're like okay he's kind <laughs> (laughs) crazy 
every day. I don't know. And we have to go talk to him and he's not going to be happy. So they talk about how society needs a scapegoat for this and it's going to be us. And, but they, they don't, it's not like they hate it. They're kind of just like, it's like a grungy thing, <laughs> you know? Like they're kind of just like, we're the scapegoat. It's like a, what's the word? I'm, it's like, not emo, but like, it's like, they're kind of into it. The fact that they're like, we're so cast out. Yeah. Everyone hates us. Just embracing their like outcastedness. Yeah. And I, I, there, I feel like there is a word for it, but I can't think of it either. <laughs> I, I like, it was on the tip of my tongue for a second there. <sighs> I don't know. I lost it. But they're like, oh, it's okay to be into bands. It's, into be in good, it's okay to be into science, into sports. Then it's fine. But it's not okay when we want to play a little fantasy game? Cool. So Eddie stands on the table. He's like antagonizing Jason from across the room. And they're like, you know what's killing the kids? Forced conformity. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> it's such a funny scene. It's, it's so fun though. Yeah. And he's preaching to the choir too. Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> so they're like, ha ha ha, yeah, ha ha ha. So, um, Lucas can't come to the game because he's playing basketball and we were like well we can't win without him so what if we like postponed and like everyone's horrified no one wants to do that and that is sure relatable absolutely dismayed (laughs) (laughs) so relatable so relatable and especially like after seeing and like I want to talk about it when we're like actually watching it but like watching them all like get to play the game and everything which is like sort of the first time since like season one where we've actually get to see them like actively play because even in like season was it season yeah Mm, season three yeah when Will was trying to get them to play and then like mm-hmm. and Matt, uh, Mike were like whatever yeah it's like finally getting to like ha- see them in the game again yeah it's like you can see why everyone would be so heartbroken by this because it's so fun and it's like something that you look forward to forever too mm-hmm. so they're like so you want to postpone instead of finding a replacement and they're like well anyone who would sub for us is probably going to be like at the game and like that's a, I think that's a good defense yeah they're like it's kind of you know a thing so they're like Jeff is graduating this year Garrett has a year and a half left and Eddie's like maybe I might finally get out of high school but it's kind of been three <laughs> years of him saying that um he's like no it's my year 86 baby um but of course we know he dies which is painful <laughs> he's like it's my year it's my last year he, what how long is this season like a week uh it's like 86 Oh my god, yeah, it's really that, it's really like that short. Yeah. Sorry, Eddie. So he's like, you two are the future of Hellfire. I knew the first time I saw you, little lost sheep. And he says that Mike was wearing whatever his mommy bought him. And of course, like, (laughs) Mike, like, is like, ha ha ha, laughing, laughing, laughing. Because if anybody else had, like, if Lucas had said that, Mike would have been like, I'm never going to be friends with you ever again, Lucas. You know? (laughs) But like, it's also true. You know that boy does not dress himself. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So they're like, we showed you that school didn't have to be all bad. And there are other kids who need that help. So go find one who can be a part of this campaign. Okay, but also yeah. Dustin was wearing a weird owl shirt. I We breezed right past that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and he's like, which I thought was- That makes sense to me. Brave. And I was like, yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah. So we're in your book club and this is the, the one that's sort of like happening concurrently with that Jonathan scene that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Fred wonders why Jonathan can't come here. And Nancy, you know, goes over and like this girl is like making up the front page and Nancy is very type A, hates the way she's doing it. So she does it itself. Uh, herself classic nancy yeah she's very subtle about it though she doesn't make the girl feel like it was bad right the girl is really polite about being like oh yeah sure no problem you know of course me i, I would immediately uh read into that and be like she hates me <laughs> well well nancy is the editor so like mm-hmm. it makes sense 
that that's fair that's fair yeah 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 mm-hmm. um so fred will not let this go and he's like what are the reasons he can't come and i'm also like I'm like fred let it go man it's so weird <laughs> yeah, like even like nancy is like hey man uh why are we so invested in this yeah like why why do we care so much like sir why are you more invested in my love life than i am right and later he's just like you're the most what is it, desirable girl in hawkins yeah like, all right man Ugh. okay dude like okay get a hobby and it's interesting to me that And I don't think, you know, it's not like Fred makes it very clear that he has a crush on Nancy or anything. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, going forward before he dies, you know, he basically says that and then he like continues to like sort of be her friend slash acquaintance, which I like because I think, but I think it's very telling that he says that Nancy is the most desirable girl in Hawkins when girls like Chrissy Cunningham are around. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sort of shows what he like values. And I just think that that's like really cool way to teach him Teach us who he is in one, like, sentence. Like, one line of his. Tells us so much about him, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, well, it's... Dude's a Ravenclaw. (laughs) That's also totally fair. I would say that Nancy is probably, like, still up there for a lot of people, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. despite the the Chrissy of it all. Because she's she's wealthy, she's pretty, and she's smart. Mm -hmm. So, like, even though she's not involved in sports... I, she'd, like, there's, like, probably a divide of people who are, like, Chrissy people and Nancy people. Nancy people. <laughs> yeah. I wonder sometimes where Barb would have fit into all of this. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, if Barb were here, what would she be up to? I don't know. I just wonder these things. <laughs> so, uh, Nancy says, well, he can't come because his mom uh, is busy, so he has to watch Will. Um, Will, who is deeply old enough to take care of himself. <laughs> right. And um, he's also waiting for his acceptance letter and Fred thinks that's stupid so he agrees with Argyle (laughs) and um he doesn't have time to go visit the number one desired girl in Hawkins what a thing to say to her face right bold move Cotton yeah so she goes well Jonathan is so caring and lovely and wonderful and that's why I love him and as somebody who did the long distance thing and got married to her long distance partner Uh how do you feel about having to do long distance in the 80s in the 80s i feel like it would be simultaneous just because of the way i am as a person i Mm -hmm. feel like it would be simultaneously easier in some ways and more difficult in other ways Mm -hmm. like you you obviously have to carve out more specific time to talk to that person because you don't have access to a cell phone that can let you talk to them literally any second of any day Mm -hmm. but you also like if you just be like okay we have sunday night phone calls or like something like that and like and and do as long as you do the part of long distance that is like essential which is communication Mm -hmm. i honestly think that long distance is good for a relationship because Mm. you learn to be like your own person while also learning really essential communication tools with your partner because like Mm -hmm. when you're not just sharing a space and like going on physical dates and stuff you all you have is communication so you learn how to speak to them in a way that like you wouldn't have otherwise and Mm -hmm. i don't know if Nancy and Jonathan are communicating
communicating enough to have learned that because they still hide things from each other by the end of the season. And I'm just yeah. like, did you guys do phone calls or are we doing the letter thing? Like, Mike? Yeah, and it's like, because they're, they're probably expensive too, eh? To do such a long distance phone call. I don't know what it would have been then. Because mm-hmm. like now I grew up in a... Yeah, I was not alive. So. I, I was like, I grew up in a world where you could you can call anywhere, um, mm-hmm. even from a landline. Yeah. So I don't know. I Somebody from from the um actuallys let us know. I just think it's interesting that Mike and Eleven are sending each other letters. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you're going to do that, then like if we're having our long distance phone call night, then it's like Jonathan hands it off to Eleven and Mike hands it off to Nancy. And, <laughs> right. Or, Mike, or the, other, oh, the other way around. Yeah. Um, Mike wasn't talking to Jonathan. <laughs> But so Jonathan, I thought this part was interesting. Jonathan says, everything between us is, and Nancy says, perfect. But she's not talking about that. She's talking about the paper. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I just thought that was interesting, is that when Nancy says perfect, she's not talking about their relationship. She's talking about her the paper and how she's laid it out. That is interesting. I never clocked that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So then Fred shows that he has an alternate paper where the team loses. And I I don't know. I think he's kind of funny. I like him. I like that. I like that he's like, just like this negative version. Uh-huh. Who just like goes around and like, I don't know. I, I always, I kind of liked him before he died. I thought he was cool. He is the Mike of the newspaper team. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, Mike runs in looking for Nancy and everyone is like, hello. And he's like, hey, will you do D&D with, with us tonight? And she's like, and she like, absolutely not. <laughs> is so mad. But also like you just said, people who are going to sub are going to be at the game. And like, she's literally has to go do her job on the paper. Exactly. At the game. Like she can't come. But I'm also like, literally look two feet to your right. <laughs> a man named Fred is standing right there. Do you think maybe you want to ask him? He kind of seems like maybe he'd be the type. Potentially. <laughs> you know? Right. So Dustin calls Steve and uh, Steve is at work and I don't think I realized this but like Steve doesn't go to that school anymore. He just drives Robin to school. I know. He's such a He's such a bro. That's nice. Yeah. He just does. I love that he does that. I think that's sweet. I hope I hope he like still has to like work or something. Or like I guess. Well he's already. I just wonder if he like st- has to go to work anyway. Um, he's already wearing the vest when. Or does he just do it? Yeah. Oh you're right. Yeah he's wearing the vest when he drops her off. Okay that makes sense. I was like is that. You know what. <sighs> I didn't have the. I have too many things on my good guy Steve alert. I gotta go. Ch- I gotta add that. There, <laughs> that he drives Robin to school even though he's not even going there. It's just out of his way. What a nice guy. Okay so. Yeah, Dustin wants Steve to move his date so that he can play with them. And he's like, yeah, I want to hang out with Eddie the Freak Munson. Thanks. And, you know, all the steadies are like, wow, enemies to lovers. Here it is. (laughs) It's happening. And you know what? I love that for them. You know what? Guys, pop off. Yeah. And he's like playing with a little slinky at work because he's such a little himbo. And, um... (laughs) As someone who worked oh, yeah. that job, you can totally play a slinky at work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is one of the easiest and best jobs. Love it. So Dustin is like, oh, are you jealous? Because I have another older male friend. And Steve's it's like, like Ugh. It's phrasing, uh, phrasing, Dustin, phrasing. Not only is that gross, but you're also insinuating that I'm like an, an older male friend, quote, older male friend, which I don't like. I'm not that much older, but then it, I guess I am. I don't know. <laughs> Weird. There's some graffiti on the phone booth. I like the little E.T. phone home one. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I feel like E.T. like just came out, right? So it's like, that's... Yeah, when is E.T.? Relevant. And then there was also, um, like, a sexually explicit one that was... <laughs> 
<laughs> that was up there too. 1982. So yeah, it's been out for a couple years. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Steve's like, no, I like this girl. So I'm good. And then there's customers. So he's like, I- I'll call you back. And he's like, you can't call me back. I'm at school. <laughs> I'm talking to you on a pay phone, but whatever. I like that Steve doesn't even think about that though. Like he's just like, yeah, yeah I'll call, call you back. back Dustin. Like how, how often do these guys talk on the phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on IMDb, it said the music playing in the background during Dustin's conversation with Steve Harrington is Play With Me by Extreme. And it's from the mall scene in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which came out in 1989. So we kind of talked about that already. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that's what people are upset about, because it's like, it's not diegetic when Dustin and Mike are doing that. But I wonder if it sounds like it's being played in family video. Oh, maybe. Now that I'm thinking about it, I got to go back and look. But anyway, so montage of them asking people to... Um, be a part of it. Mike asks one of the wrestlers, not why, not sure why he, like how he knows this kid and or why he thinks he would want to play. Right. But okay. Dustin asks Max and the iconic scene of her being like, do I get the cool t-shirt? And she's just sarcasm about it. And Dustin just like (laughs) is totally taking it from her word. And it's so sweet. Mike goes to ask one of the science kids and he's like, no, my mom thinks that game is evil. And they ask a million people and they all say no. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would play with you. (laughs) I'll play with you guys. It sounds so fun. And I also wanted to say, there's no way that theater girl actually didn't want to play. D&D is just theater. It's just theater. Well, she may be like Come a... Come on. It's, it's rural Indiana. She may be a GC yeah. <laughs> theater girl and she she's read the, the Newsweek article. She doesn't know enough about it. She doesn't understand. Yeah, she doesn't get it. And so they're like, I hate high school. And they're like, oh my gosh, genius. I think it's Dustin who's like, yes. Mm-hmm. A light bulb. Screw high Let's school. Let's go to middle school. And as they're running towards the middle school, there's a guy on a skateboard who's not wearing a helmet going down the hill and Dustin yells to him, wear a helmet. <laughs> and I just think Dustin's relatable. I think he's me. I love that child. Because every time I'm driving and I see somebody on a skateboard or on a bike without a helmet, I'm like, wear a helmet. <laughs> I don't care if you're a full adult. Accidents happen. I hope you roll down the window and say it, Robin. I, depends on, (laughs) depends on uh, the weather, I'm going to (laughs) say. But yeah, I'm just like, stuff happens and you never know. And this is a PSA from the aficionados. I stand (laughs) by this. Always wear a helmet. You never know. So true. I, every time I go biking outside, I wear my helmet, even though it gives me helmet hair. Yeah. Like, okay. If, even if it's not fashion, just because it's not fashion, get a fashion helmet then. I would much rather. Sam's helmet is fashion. Thank you. I would much rather, um. (laughs) have sweaty hair after my bike ride than um, have my brain cracked open on a ocean rock if I accidentally right. fall off the seawall or something. Like, I yeah. I know where my priorities lie. Yeah, exactly. So then we go back to Chrissy. Chrissy goes into the woods and this is our first look at that creepy clock. We see it inside of the tree, which is really creepy. And on IMDb, it said the bell sound from the grandfather clock is very similar to the bell sound that follows Pinhead's arrival from Hellraiser. Ooh. So there you go on that. I have not seen it, but mm-hmm. I, I have heard it is very good. Mm-hmm. And the glass in it like breaks and spiders come out and it sort of like brings us back around later to when she sees all of those bugs in her other vision there. Mm-hmm. Do we see bugs with anybody else? Like, is that just like a Chrissy thing because she's scared of bugs, do you think? Or like, do we see bugs? I, I mean, they're they're specifically associated with, with Henry Creel. Oh, I see. You're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like they're associated with him because he's like, King mm-hmm. of the Spiders, basically. And I think that's yeah, a, right. it's a D&D Vecna reference because sure. in D&D lore, he is the spider god or something when I first uh, was 
looking that up. Yeah. And so she runs into Eddie and he's like, oh my God, sorry to scare you. And are you okay? Because she seems like extremely rattled, scared yeah. things just ha- occurred. And he brought drugs for her in a lunchbox. <laughs> and he's like, don't worry, no one comes out here. Uh, it's cash only and there's no receipts, obviously. And she's very clearly very skittish because of like the scary thing that just happened to her. But he, you know, assumes it's because like she's doing something she's not supposed to. Right. Which is, like, uncomfortable or whatever. So he, good guy Eddie, I feel like I need a good guy Steve and a good guy Eddie uh, segment for this season. You can. Uh, season? You can. Okay, maybe I will. Um, He's like, okay, it's okay if you don't want to do this. Like, it's fine. And she says, no, do you ever feel like you're losing your mind? And he's like, yeah, every day? Uh, all the time, constantly. Uh, but like, not the way that she's talking about, you know? Yeah. Obviously, he's just like, oh yeah, goofs. Uh-huh. Every day. So he's like, yeah, right now I'm doing a drug deal with a cheerleader. So <laughs> that's kind of weird, right? It's interesting because he, he calls it hanging out. Like, he says, like, this isn't the first time we've hung out and she then remembers his band and I'm like so was she like around the band was the band just like playing at a talent show and she was there and remembered it like when did we hang out I feel like uh it's a middle school talent show situation yeah that's what I always thought too and I'm like so does that count as hanging out or do you just like know each other as people does he say hanging out the other people at your school yeah he says this isn't the first time we've hung out and he's saying it in like a these are just some words way but I'm just like okay so do you mean like this isn't the first time that we like have met because like we also go to the same school like when did she get a hold of him you know like how did he know to meet her out here like etc whatever she's dead It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter moving forward. Anyway, so he pretends that it, like, kills him that she doesn't remember. And he's like, I wouldn't remember myself either, which is sad. Oh, buddy. And they, oh, they literally say middle school talent show. And that's why we both thought that it was that, because they say it textually. I, w- I was like, I'm pretty sure. I'm- <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's what I thought too. So she was doing a cheer and he played with his band. So maybe they hung out because they had like rehearsals for the talent show. Yeah, probably. Okay, we figured it out. (laughs) And his band was called Corroded Coffin. And she's like, you looked different. And he's like, yes, my hair was buzzed and I didn't have any tattoos, you know, because (laughs) I was in middle school. So I assume that he was like in grade eight and she was in grade six. Yeah, probably. When they did this or something if he's three years in high school then I think that that math maths so let's say that sure he still plays guitar and they play at the hideout on Tuesdays to a crowd of five drunks and it's cute it's a really sweet scene and um it honestly it launched a whole ship so like good for them yeah it did she says that she thought he would be mean and scary and he thought that she would be mean and scary and so he says he's gonna give her a 25% discount for remembering him because he likes (laughs) flattery honestly dude's got game. Oh, yeah. I don't think he uses it a lot, but he's got it. I don't think he knows he has it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Like, he absolutely has it, but I don't think he knows that he has it, and he doesn't know how to deploy it intentionally. It just comes off, yeah. like, when it happens, it happens, and when it doesn't happen, it's it doesn't happen. <laughs> it's the opposite of Steve, who thinks he's got game and doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> or at least he didn't. Like, in season one, I think Steve had game. Sure. But it, after he became a babysitter, it kind of fizzled. <laughs> so Chrissy asks if he has anything stronger, and it's just sort of like a oof, a woof moment. Because I think that she she was just getting weed, I guess, right? Yeah, I think she's, she's just getting weed in the... And then later she gets ketamine? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a strong jump. jump. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So now it's time for the game and Nancy and Fred are there covering it. Uh, Steve is there with 
Brenda. And she says, hey, does it bother you that we might win right after you stopped being a tiger? And he's like, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for bringing that up. Thank you so much for bringing it up. Because he was literally like on the team. He was like a basketball guy. Oh, yeah. We saw it in season two in particular. He was like captain? Question mark? Or something. I don't know. Yeah. He was Steve the Hare Harrington. They called him the king. Mm-hmm. And then we see Robin and Vicky in the band and the national anthem sung by Tammy Thompson all the way from Nashville. And Steve and Robin are like, no freaking way. And it's great because that's the exact reaction of the audience, I feel like. Uh-huh. Like the audience is like, <gasps> like audience like of the people like watching the show, I mean. We're uh-huh. all like, oh my gosh, it's Tammy Thompson. They're actually <laughs> showing us Tammy Thompson. Yeah. So I guess she was like in Steve's grade, Tammy, because Steve was, if Steve was in that class with Robin, Mm -hmm. then it makes sense that someone else in his class or in his grade might be in that class because Tammy lives in Nashville now. So I assume that she like graduated and then moved to Nashville to go do, to go follow her dreams. Yeah. I think that the the, like thing we settled on was that like Robin was in like an advanced course for her grade. Right. And Steve was in a remedial. Or Steve... Or Steve was in a remedial course. Gotcha. gotcha. So like, so like if it's a... Who knows but Tammy. If it's just a regular like course for their grade, then Mm -hmm. it's like, like I feel like Robin is in a regular course for her grade and Steve and Tammy maybe are having to take remedial whatever Miss Click teaches. Yeah. Math or something. I don't know. I just wanted to say the costume for Tammy. Great stuff. Oh yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. And they're like, wow, yeah, Muppet. And I just wanted to say... Hey, shout out to the girl who's out here playing Tammy because she was like, Muppet? No prob. I'll do Muppet. <laughs> At first, I'm like, eh, I don't know if it's Muppet. And then after they like cut to her after Robin and Vicky have their conversation, I'm like, whoa, Muppet. Yeah, yeah, we got some Muppet going on. <laughs> And then, so Vicky thinks that Robin was talking to her about it being a Muppet. She says it was Kermit. Robin thinks Miss Piggy. And then Robin accidentally <laughs> almost brings up that she had a crush on her. And and she was like, huh? And he's, I mean, a class together. And Brenda says that she thinks that Tammy's really good. And Steve's like, yikes. Uh, Even, like, I, a stupid himbo, even know that she's not good. So I don't know if this is going to work out, Brenda. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, from the minute he got there with Brenda, it was not going to work out. No, no, no. So then Lucas notices that his friends aren't there. He's really sad. Yeah. I think it was on the wiki where it said Caleb specifically chose Lucas's jersey to be number eight in honor of Kobe Bryant. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Then we transition from Tammy's rendition of the national anthem to the (laughs) dope ass electric guitar version of the national anthem oh it's so good that brings in erica because you can't spell america without erica without erica and she wears the american flag as a cape it's so good i love her genius she's perfect like how how do you as somebody who's watching the show not cheer at this moment you know i remember when like when dustin ran off we didn't know where he was going like when we were first watching it but then when erica shows up we're like duh (laughs) i know and i feel like we should have put it together because they like they say no high school and they run and then you can see the sign that says middle school but for me knock knock bonk bonk i did not put it together at all until we saw her and i'm honestly glad that i didn't because this moment was such a triumph it was so good yeah 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 so they're like okay lucas we're gonna replace you with your sister (laughs) here we go Um, but Eddie's not into it. He says, this is a baby. Why is this baby here? <laughs> Why are we bringing this baby here? We're not, we're not babysitting. And they're like, just, just trust me. This is a very good baby. Yeah. It's a great baby. You'll really appreciate this baby very soon. <laughs> 
But I do think that it's better to have like a just okay sub. Not that Erica is, but like it's better to have an, a just okay sub than to not have a sub at all. Especially if you worked really hard oh, on yeah. balancing your combats for a certain amount of players as well. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't balance them properly, especially like as somebody who clearly has done a lot of combats, like prepared a lot of combats. I haven't. I struggle with balancing combats a lot and I'm like hope this is good and I'm constantly fudging HP but clearly like it would be so much better than like otherwise your enemies are either like completely obliterated immediately or you've got a total party kill you know like it's really important to balance it so it's like good that they at least got us up you know yeah no that's totally I completely agree yeah and so uh Erica says I'm 11 so shut the fuck up and um <laughs> so he's like what's your class and level level one dwarf I don't know about first edition or anything but dwarf Dwarf, at least in 5e, is a race. It is not a class. No. And it doesn't make sense for Dwarf to be a class. And I'm like, Eddie should know that. So I don't know if I trust him or not. But either way, Dwarf is a race and not a class. Listen, it was 1985. They were... Maybe it wasn't first, but... They were winging it, okay? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like... I'm like, whatever. I'm I'm surprised that this wasn't in the... In the um, actuallys. Right? So, like... I'm like, maybe it was... Maybe it was then. So maybe it must be right? I don't know. I don't know. So Erica says that her name is Lady Applejack and she's a chaotic, good, half-elf, rogue, level 14. And that's smart stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, in... On IMDb, it said, Erica's D&D character is named Lady Applejack. Uh, Applejack is a character from My Little Pony, which was revealed to be Erica's favorite television show in season three. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Because we all, we all do be naming our characters after our favorite TV shows. We just be doing that still. My dog is named after <laughs> Ben Stiller's character in Night at the Museum. <laughs> um, we all be doing that. We really do. So she's like, I'll kill your NPCs and I'll smile while I do it. And he's like, all right, you can stay. Stick around, Lady Applejack. <laughs> Love it. So cute. So the game happens. I don't know stuff about sports that aren't baseball. Um, Jason gets a point and points at Chrissy. And Fred says he feels good about his headline, thinks that they're going to lose. <laughs> the difference in size between my notes of what happens during the basketball game and what happens during the D&D, <laughs> the D&D game is significant. <laughs> I don't know. Game stuff happens. Okay. So let's go back to the D&D, <laughs> the D&D thing. So they're saying the cultists are chanting, Hail Lord Vecna. And you recognize them, but one of them you don't. And he's missing his left arm and left eye. And everyone's freaking out about this. So I guess it's Vecna. I don't really know why. Like, they must have, I don't know, filled her in or something. But Erica's like, no! And I'm like, you weren't here for the earlier campaign. How do you know that that's Vecna? How do you know about this twist? I don't know. Either way. I feel like, well, well, it's Mm -hmm. it's several hours after we saw Dustin leave to go get her. Oh, So I'm sure that he gave her, like, a rundown of the campaign. Okay, okay, okay. Like, it it doesn't make sense for her to come in, like, completely unprepared. Completely blind. Yeah, that's fair. So they're like, but he's supposed to be dead. He was killed by Cass. And, you know, that whole, like, theory that Eddie is a vampire and could be Cass who kills who kills Vecna is like really mm-hmm. helped by the fact that it's literally brought up here. Yeah, absolutely. And like they there's a lot of like and they're like no, he lives. Like I have no idea if it'll come true, but I do think it is an interesting mm-hmm. theory. And like the Duffers do It definitely has legs based on this. Like to do stuff like that and like mm-hmm. leave little easter eggs and like the way that he dies is by the Dimabats. 
He has a fat tattoo. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a possibility. Yep. Yeah. IMGB had this long thing about this here. It says, while playing the Dungeons and Dragons game, Eddie Munson declares triumphantly Vecna lives, which is the title of the 1990 adventure module that introduced Vecna as the game's villain. Prior to this, Vecna was only referenced in relation to two in-game items, the hand and eye of Vecna. Vecna didn't actually debut in Dungeons and Dragons until 1990, though he was mentioned in the game's wider lore beforehand. The showrunners were aware of this anachronism with the season's 1986 setting, but reasoned that as an extremely advanced dungeon master, Eddie would be aware of how Vecna should behave as an in-game character. Ooh, I like that. Cool. Very cool stuff. So that's when we go into this incredible montage of both the games. I love it so much. So they say, like, do you flee or do you fight? You see Lucas getting put in the game. It's so good. And they, uh, the D&D group, say they're gonna fight to the death. And I'm like, you know what? If it's the finale of the campaign, go for it. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, if you don't have to make a new character after this, why not? Yeah. Fleeing, oh. I feel like, would be a boring end to the to the campaign. Robin and I will be playing the finale of our campaign, our Disney campaign mm-hmm. that we're involved in shortly after we record, we finish recording this podcast, like, later this week. And I will be fighting to the death. I don't know who I'm <laughs> right. fighting. Probably Mickey Mouse, but I will be fighting to the death. <laughs> yeah. They're right for this. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to say the absolute like DM joy that <laughs> Eddie displays here. Like I know that Joseph Quinn hasn't played D&D. You know, I watched those like extra things that happened on, I don't remember, like Stranger Things Day or whatever, uh-huh. or whatever where they all like play D&D together. Joseph Quinn had no idea what he was No, absolutely not doing at the beginning of that game, you know? But he's a good actor. <laughs> not know. He's a great actor. I'm yeah. like when I was watching it, I was doing my notes. I was like, I'm going to cry about Eddie all over again. Just like watch him like be happy. Yeah. I wrote all of this while I was like doing my rewatch last night, but I was like, there is nothing like if I haven't like convinced you guys to like either play D and D or like watch other people play D and D yet. I don't know what else, but here, here's my, <laughs> uh, here's still my pitch. There is nothing like telling a collaborative story with your friends. Mm-hmm. And when they clearly care so much and you have like this shared emotions between everybody it's like the best way to bond with somebody I have played like one game of D&D with someone and felt like I was like already friends with them (laughs) and it always like means so much to think that a story that like you created and you have been writing has stirred up so much in people and you just want everyone to like have fun together and so like I could just see that on Eddie that like everyone is like to the death and they're like chanting and everything and Eddie's just sitting there smiling and I'm just like he gets it that's it right there. <laughs> oh, mwah. it's great stuff. It's great stuff. I also love that it's um it's Dustin and Erica whose characters are left like for this combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And later in the season when Jason shows up at Erica's house and he's like, do you know yeah. Dustin Henderson? And she's like, do I know him? I've bled with him. <laughs> Like, I just was yeah. immediately reminded of that line when I was reading right. this. Ugh, Literally, so it's good. the best way to bond. Yeah. And, like, one of my favorite things about watching D&D actual play is that, like, even when, like, scary, sad things happen, it's, like, fun still because, like, you know that everybody, like, consented to be there at the table and everybody just wants to, like, feel something. Like, I have... It's, like... I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, it's amazing. It's like, you sit there and it's like, even when everybody's crying at the table, you know that everybody like decided they wanted to be there and wanted to tell this story together. And it's like, there's nothing more human than like being able to experience these emotions together as a table. Ugh! Exactly. D&D, you guys. 
D&D, you guys. And then just like, and like watching it then also like paired with Lucas's game, because like, I also yeah. remember the the funnest part of high school sports was going to watch like the atmosphere yeah. of the game. And so like, just feeling the atmosphere of both of these events is so triumphant and like, oh, mm-hmm. I love it. One of my favorite TV experiences of last year. It's so good. It's a the perfect montage to make. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the basketball people get another point. <laughs> Erica rolls a d100 for some reason. Like I said, I have no idea why she would do that as a rogue, but the DM must have called for it, and it sounds like it was, you know, a good roll, so that's great. Back at the basketball game, they get another point. Back in the D&D thing, they kill the NPCs, and it seems to be going well in both places. And this makes me so happy because it might, like, make sports people understand, like, the joy and triumph that these games bring and, like, yeah. the emotions that they, that, they, it's this- that they bring out in people, and so I love that. It's the same kind of feeling, yeah. Yeah. So we get a timeout in both places and the D&D people are like, guys, we need to flee. There's only two people left standing and like they can't destroy him on their own. It's just Dustin and Erica, like you said. And there's only 15, like they say that Vecna only has 15 HP left. And I'm like, how do you know how much HP he has? I've never played advanced first edition, but like as far as I know, like the DM doesn't tell you how much HP they have left. They just tell you how well they're doing, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just thought that was weird. Anyway, Eddie says it would be smart to run and there's no shame in running and not and don't try and be heroes and this is like the most painful foreshadowing in the whole world because Eddie of course dies in like a week's time because he decides to be a hero and instead of fleeing yeah and it's 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 very Ouch. like it's it's extremely well done because like when you're first watching it you don't you don't realize that at all but like upon rewatch yeah of course you're like oh out this is about you yeah for her for sure so they say okay how much HP is left for Dustin and Erica. And they both say 12. And I'm like, do you each have 12? <laughs> or is there 12 between the two of you? Either way, uh, I'm worried because apparently they're at level 14 and that's like one hit each. I'm gonna say each 12. And then you're out. Yeah. Okay, I hope so. Also still not good at level 14 though, to be honest. <laughs> I guess it depends on where they are in initiative, but like I immediately would be like, I'm out of here. <laughs> At the basketball game, the coach is sort of changing some stuff up. Jason demands to take the shot because, you know, he's like an egotistical maniac. Mike, in a drastic change of character, says, let's let Dustin and Erica choose if they want to fight or if they want to flee. Well, I mean, it makes sense because it's their characters, so. Yeah, but it's just like, I feel like knowing Mike, he'd be like, mm-hmm. well, you should do this and this is my opinion, but. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So Dustin and Erica decide to fight because of course they do. And the odds are really bad. And Dustin says, never tell me the odds. <laughs> um, on IMDb, this is a. That is a Han Solo reference. Han Solo from The Empire Strikes Back, which came out in 1980. So you know that Dustin is literally, it's mm-hmm. not just an homage. Dustin is straight up quoting quoting here yeah that's my boy so jason goes to take his shot and misses it bombs it absolutely biffs it but so does dustin and he rolls an 11 because of course he does that's why i like sort of i think it would have been too heavy-handed for them to also have 11 hp Mm -hmm. so i think it was like way smarter for them to have the 11 here it was like more subtle and it's just so good like seeing it like slow motion roll onto the 11 oh Mm -hmm. amazing cinema cinema (laughs) so it misses vecna and i'm like but what 
about his modifiers? You didn't even ask if he like what 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 plus does he have to his weapon? <laughs> I guess maybe Vecna has such a high AC that it doesn't matter. So Lucas grabs the ball and makes the winning shot, and at the same time, Erica gets a nat twenty. And honestly, you guys, truly, these moments are so comparable. Oh yeah, they're and they're perfectly triumphant. It's so good. Not even kidding. Like it's perfectly, perfectly set up to each other. Like a hundred mm-hmm. billion percent. It's it's exact. And I love that it's both of the Sinclairs too. Mm-hmm. I love this. And they both get to have their like hero moment. I love it. And Eddie like bows to Erica in that like iconic shot of him bowing. And it's like so lovely. It's just great. I literally, and I have to say you guys, I literally believe in a higher power when these story roles happen. I really do. <laughs> and I know that this, <laughs> I know that this is in a TV show. And so it was written and stuff. But like when you watch actual play and when it happens to you in real life and you get a story role like that, where you get a nat 20 in the exact moment that you perfectly need it. Sometimes I'm just like, maybe God does exist. <laughs> maybe he does. And he thought I need to, I need to make sure they roll a nat 20 in this moment because it's like, what are the odds? Never tell me the odds. Oh, so good. <laughs> so they lift Lucas up and they're chanting his name. And on IMDb, it said the crowd of the basketball game chants, Lucas, Lucas, Lucas. And this may be an intentional nod to Lucas from 1986 uh, with, because uh, Winona Ryder is in that movie in a significant role. And it is also likely an uh, a nod to Rudy from 1993, which Sean Astin is in. The two movies' plots are similar to each other, although not at all similar to the sports subplot of this episode. Both movies are about young men aspiring to play on their school football teams despite being undersized. In Lucas, the protagonist's name is not chanted, though he gets a slow clap from a crowd of classmates in a non-game setting. In Rudy, the crowd famously chants Rudy, Rudy, Rudy during a game. Huh. So afterward, Jason's like, wow, Lucas, good job. You're our friend now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is like, score. He really, he really did win them the championship. Like, just, just. Literally, yeah. Biffed it. So you have to, you have to praise him now. King Lucas. Right. Jason's like, wow, if I keep bringing this up, then hopefully no one will remember my abs, my absolute <laughs> uh, face plan that I did. But that's when Lucas sees the Hellfire Club celebrating with Erica, who I assume he didn't know was the sub and is probably like feels really sad and left out about that, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And I just wanted to say, I guess Mike got home before nine. I assume. Yeah. I mean, he made it. I don't know what time it is, but probably before nine. California. I feel like, I feel like um, sports games probably started at like six or seven. So mm-hmm. yeah, plenty of time. So Max is listening to it on the radio so she hears that Lucas got that final shot which is lovely and I bet I bet she probably wishes that maybe she could be there um but it also like is very telling to me that she was like listening to it you know like she was still like paying attention she wanted to know what happened I love that I think I think that that is the most like like we were talking about earlier with the previous Lumax scene which like she's pushing him away but she doesn't not care like it's yeah exactly it's revealing that the things she said to him earlier are not how she actually feels. And mm-hmm. I love that little detail. Yeah. So she hears the dog outside barking. Um, This dog makes me so sad. Mm. Why doesn't the person who own this, owns this dog care about this dog and take care of this dog? I sometimes like understand more when it's like a larger dog that lives outside. And they're like, I'm just like, this is a small dog. Why is this dog outside chained up all the time? Mm-hmm. Not that you should like chain up your larger dogs. It's just like, they're like more resistant to like weather and like they can sort of take care of themselves more I think I worry about mm-hmm. littler dogs especially <laughs> because I have a littler dog Robin are you projecting on this dog perhaps <laughs> yes 100% projecting on this dog I project on every dog just to be clear so her mom is sleeping on the couch and so she's like cleaning up she's putting out a cigarette and she grabs some food for the dog on the wiki it said 
when Max cleans up her home while her mother sleeps, the television's audio is from Misfits of Science, and it says, I'm trying to be normal, Billy, which is, it says, signifying Max's struggle to return to normalcy despite Billy's death blocking that from happening. Mm. I, I always loved that detail was in there. Like, when we watched, I always noticed that being on the TV. And I was just like, this is yeah. very clever, just, like, weaving it in. And that's why you always have the subtitles on, so that you can mm-hmm. listen to these little news broadcasts. So she goes in, uh, so she goes to feed the fenced-in dog next door, and she sees the van pull up to Eddie's trailer with Chrissy, and Max sees, is basically, like, witnessing Chrissy be in Eddie's trailer. And so that makes it clear to us that Max's new place that she's living in is one of these trailers. So uh, Eddie and Chrissy get inside and it's all messy. He says that he lives with his uncle and she asks how long Special K takes to kick in. Bless her heart. Which like we said is a massive jump. <laughs> yeah. In drugs. Yeah. So he says it depends on how you take it, um, but he doesn't know where it is. So he's got to go look for it. So he goes into his room and says hello to his guitar and gives her a little kiss, which is sweet. Uh, on IMDb, it said Eddie's guitar is a BC rich warlock electric guitar. Like, first of all, I love the fact that it's a warlock. I think that's very cool. Of course, it's got a warlock. <laughs> Uh huh. A popular guitar amongst heavy metal musicians. BC Rich released an exact replica of Eddie's guitar on the show as a cross promotion with Netflix to promote the premiere of season four. Yep. It was really cool. Freaking so cool. So cool. So Chrissy hears the creepy clock again, but she doesn't see it outside. Um, She calls for Eddie, but he doesn't answer. So that makes it quite clear that she's like already in the vision. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as she heard the clock, she was in the vision. Yeah. And Eddie was able to snap her out of it earlier, but like not so much now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Due to Chrissy wake up. I don't like this Chrissy wake up. Honestly, hey, that song, such a banger. I miss that era of TikTok. I really do too. And like <laughs> listening to it, I'm just like, it is kind of melodical the way that he does it. And so like you can tell oh, that yeah. the like Shmo Yoho guys were like, oh yeah, this is a song. And there's also <laughs> the, um, he sings it a little. The, uh, I just, I remember the day that we got the, um, the last two episodes. Uh, Robin and I were up before Emily and Brittany. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so like I made breakfast and like we had this whole like vibe and like Robin and I were like Christmas morning excited and like they were uh-huh. still still asleep and so by the time I had breakfast ready I decided to play this song because I found it on Spotify on mm-hmm. our like Alexa Echo thing and uh did that to signal that it was time to watch and it was great mm-hmm. it was great yeah if you'll allow me I finally remembered the word like remember we were talking about like them in the cafeteria and how they were like oh yeah everybody hates us I finally I remember the word. Mm-hmm. Edgelord. It is very that. <laughs> They're all edgelords. That's yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Anyway, so so Chrissy's in the vision and she goes into Eddie's room, but her mom's in there loosening her cheerleading uniform. But when she turns around, she's got like that a creepy face. And then when Chrissy turns around, she's like sort of back inside her own house. And this is very good because like we know that she's like in a vision sort of like made by Vecna, but it's also extremely very dream nightmare because like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but my dreams often don't make sense. <laughs> and I'm constantly <laughs> changing locations for no possible, for like no reason at all. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense sense to me and uh her mom's like trying to pull the door open and Chrissy runs by her family portrait so like she seems to have a brother who uh, we know nothing about but she seems to have one and she runs
runs to her dad for help, but he has his mouth and eyes stitched up like Victor Creel. Ooh, yeah. I didn't I didn't realize and... that it was the same, like it was a reference to Creel. But yeah, it's fully- I would think mm. so. Because yeah. Creel only has his eyes done, I think, mm-hmm. right? But I'm pretty sure her dad, maybe he just has his mouth. I can't remember. But either way, it's stitched in the same way. Yeah. So Eddie finds the drugs that he was looking for, but Chrissy's like stuck in the trance. The lights start flashing, which is classic upside down. Vecna comes down the stairs. Her dad is screaming. I like know that she's scared of Vecna, but I love my dad so much. I could not just leave him there like that. I really couldn't. I I really couldn't. I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. I mean, it's a nightmare, obviously. Yeah. I would probably yeah. just keep running because it's a nightmare. Yeah. Well, like also like if I can tell that it's a nightmare, I'm going to be like, good luck. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we see the bugs and the rotting food on the table. On IMDb, it says, a moment in Chrissy's nightmare calls back to a moment in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 uh, when Kristen stumbles into the dining room to come across a rotting feast set out for her. So that's a reference to Nightmare on Elm Street. She opens the front door, but it's boarded up and she can't get out. Eddie's, Chrissy, wake up. I don't like this, <laughs> of course. Uh, Vecna shows up and he does like that finger thing on her face, ending oh. her suffering. Her body goes into the air onto the roof and like breaks. Eddie screams. Um, hey, uh, this is way too scary for birds. I can't watch this stuff. I'm just a baby. <laughs> it is the most like- I still don't think I've fully seen this. Yeah. It is the most horror level like stuff we've seen from Stranger Things at this point. Um, yeah, and it for is- sure scary um like i it's scary i'm a i'm a horror person and still watching this i'm like ooh. yeah the only way that i can watch it is like in my periphery slightly blurry <laughs> and that's how i know what happened like yeah. that's it yeah it's just too like i already don't like body horror and this is like mm-hmm. too explicit for me that's so fair yeah i and i also like i struggle because i have i get nightmares when i see scary stuff mm-hmm. so yeah there was a couple things on imdb here uh the duffer brothers are known to include nas to jaws in each of their seasons of stranger things with the name of the first character death in season four, Chrissy is the same as that of the first character to die in Jaws. Huh. So that is your, uh, your Jaws, at least, um, one of the references to Jaws this season. Um, it also said the music over the ending credits is an homage to 80s cult favorite Tales from the Dark Side from 1983, the intro to which has a very similar sound to, uh, the ending credits that we have here. I like it. And that's the episode! I have to tell you, Sam, I am so, so happy (laughs) that we decided to cover these episodes in two parts. Me too. It was so smart of us. I think we're geniuses. (laughs) (laughs) But let's go into segments, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my first segment is good guy Steve alert. Uh, Good guy Steve alert. Um, He says in the car that he wants a relationship relationship that's about more than just (laughs) sex. That's my guy. And good guy Steve alert. He drives Robin to school when he doesn't have to. It's out of his way. He's the best. Brittany's segment, at least until now, has been how garbagey was Jonathan this ep. I think as Mm -hmm. we've discussed in previous volumes, we do not think that Jonathan is that garbagey this season, which is wonderful. Um, Is Brittany still hoping to keep this segment or is she thinking that she's going to come up with another one? I think that we will will reassess on the next episode Mm -hmm. uh, when Brittany is actually uh, in the room. Here. (laughs) Is Brittany in the room with us? (laughs) Yeah. Hello. But... However, she would like to say that uh, on a scale of how garbagey was Jonathan this ep, she says he was absolutely not garbagey at all. Uh, she loves her stoner son, Jonathan. Yeah, love that. Yeah. And my segment is, did Jopper acknowledge their obvious history? And then, uh, yeah, they did. Uh, he sent her a coded message to tell her that he loves her. It's beautiful. All season is Joyce acknowledging their obvious history. A hundred percent. Yes, that's correct. 
Our, Joyce's entire yeah, plot line listen, is acknowledging their obvious history. Spoilers for Sam's segment, but we're going to say it every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I should also do my other, my segment that I do on a couple of our other pods. <gasps> yeah, sure. Which is what is Sam shipping the most. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, this will also probably be the same a lot, but in this episode, it's obviously Dropper for that, that, that reveal of the note. However, mm-hmm. Lumax is up there, man. I love them. Mm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Dustin and Steve for... You're just jealous because I have another older male friend. <laughs> I just so think bad. that Joe Curie is a freaking genius. He's a comedic <laughs> genius. I love him so much. And so is, and so is, and so is Gaten. Mm-hmm. Oh, this show is a comedy. It really is. They do oh. such a good job of towing that line. And mm-hmm. like, it just, it just spans genres. <laughs> this show is a masterpiece. So true. And speaking of Joe being yeah. a comedian, my favorite line word also <laughs> goes to, to Steve for, do you know who pauses fast times at 53 minutes, five seconds? People who like boobies, Ew, Robin. Gross. I have to tell you, Sam, I knew that this was your favorite line word. I've already made the gifts. Oh, spectacular. I've <laughs> already made the gifts. They're done. I need to know what Britney's is though, and then uh, and then I can make that gift and I'm good to go. Yeah, let me just uh let me just see if she has one one second. Thank you. If not, I'm done. Do you have a favorite line? There's so many there's fan some fantastic options this episode. Oh, hers is also boobies. <laughs> Oh. Brittany and I have picked the same one, and I think that's beautiful. All right, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Um, thanks so much to everyone who existed in the same space as us while we recorded. Um, thanks to my dog, and also thanks to my aunt, who is upstairs. Oh, iconic. I love that for you. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. thank you to Brittany, who is still recovering, and to Emily, who is in her room playing video games. She's a legend. Love that for her. Please feel free to review us wherever you're listening, if that's even possible sometimes i'm like i don't even i don't even know where to find reviews or how to review things i'm not sure why this is still (laughs) still here to be honest review us like on twitter by recommending us to your friends thanks yeah if you're a fan of riverdale we'd like to talk about that show too we have covered every uh every episode (laughs) that exists Mm -hmm. um i am not on every one of them but Brittany and robin are and they're delightful yeah yeah uh season seven is about to start it's the final uh season so you don't have to watch riverdale to listen to it we will watch it so that you don't have to (laughs) you're welcome uh if you're a fan of the hundred we like to talk about that show too we did seasons four to seven as they were airing and now we're going back to do the good old days uh season three is done and uh we are in the midst of season two uh Mm -hmm. if you're kind of lost we like to talk about that show too um we are done the first three seasons we are doing season four right now and it is my pride and joy it's our longest most big brain podcast if you're looking for a podcast that's the most similar to this one that's your girl we have guests over there and there's a spoiler section at the end so if you're uh wanting to watch along for the first time that would actually mean the world to me and please let me know if you're doing that you're my <laughs> new best friend uh you can follow the aficionados on twitter tumblr and instagram yeah i'm making, gonna make those aforementioned gifts available as soon as this podcast <laughs> is available uh like i said earlier our patreon is patreon.com if you like what we do here please consider donating um it is expensive money wise and it's also expensive with our time that we put into doing this um so we'd really appreciate your help uh it would be super helpful if you can't do that check out our small businesses they're all in the description um or just recommend this to a friend because that's free and it also helps heck yeah you can follow me on twitter at sam casey which is s-a-m-c-r-s-u-i-s and you can follow me personally at robin e jeffrey that's r-o-b-y-n-e-j-e-f-f-r-e-y pretty much everywhere um the next episode is episode 402 it's called vecna's curse uh no promises on when that's gonna come out but i hope soon and we'll see you then (laughs) stay tuned stay tuned on our twitter to stay updated on when those episodes are gonna come out or just be like surprise me and it'll come out (laughs) whenever it happens i don't know 
All right. Thanks for listening, you guys. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.